You're listening to the Hazard Ground Podcast with service members from across the military sharing their stories of combat and survival. And now, here's your host, Mark Zeno. Welcome into the Hazard Ground Podcast. As always, we appreciate you joining us each and every week. Before we get started with another story from Cobb Keating, yes, we're going back to the Battle of Camdesh this week. We want to remind you about all of our social media sites, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Hazard Ground, at Hazard Ground Podcast. As well, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel because we get a lot of great comments from you guys on our YouTube channel. As well, we want you to keep the comments coming and those reviews coming on Apple Podcasts. We are continuing to grow. But guys, remember, this is a great way for other people who don't know about this podcast to learn about it. The more reviews we get, the more Apple will push this podcast to the front of their top podcast and people can see it and learn more about it. So we can't do it without your help. So again, go to Apple Podcasts, leave a review. doesn't have to be a long review. If you're listening to this on your smartphone, you can just scroll down to the bottom of the main Hazard Ground homepage. There is a rating button there and a review. Just click it, type something in, and send it on its way, and it's a great, great help to us. Don't forget about our promotion with Amazon. You can go to our website, hazardground.com. You click on the Sponsors tab and hit the Amazon button, or go to the bottom of the homepage and click on the Amazon button there. You get to do all of your normal Amazon shopping. Same thing works on your smartphone. If you go to hazardground.com through your web browser, it'll take you right to the app, so all of your information is saved, your credit card's in there and everything. It's really easy. And whatever you spend, we get a percentage of. Then we donate a percentage of that back to some of the great charities and organizations you've heard featured here on the Hazard Ground. So again, continue to help out veterans across America just by doing your normal Amazon shopping and going to hazardground.com first. And finally, if you have a guest suggestion, please send us an email, producer at hazardground.com, and we will take a look at it. We have gotten a bunch of guests from suggestions from you listeners. So please keep them coming, producer at hazardground.com, and send us an email with any of your other thoughts, and we'll certainly take the time to get back to everybody. We appreciate all the love and support, and how much you guys are a big part of this Hazard Ground community. Now let's get on to this week's episode. Joining us this week on the Hazard Ground is another member of Cop Keating and the Battle of Camdesh. He is a former Army specialist who spent about three and a half years in the Army with a lone deployment to Afghanistan. And he has been part of a story that we have told several times here on the Hazard Ground. But it's very important that we get as many different perspectives and as many different vantage points of one of the most important battles in the war of Afghanistan. He is Chris Jones joining us on the Hazard Ground. Chris, welcome, brother, and thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, another story from Cop Keating. Uh, I, I enjoy this story thoroughly, and it certainly is one that I think is sort of underserved as far as military stories is concerned. Yeah, I mean, everybody knows about the results of it, but uh, th- there are so many layers and levels to this. So we'll get to your role in the Battle of Camdesh, but start back at the beginning and, and tell me how and why you got in the Army. Um, my, um, my family was, uh, needed just a little bit of help. Uh, uh, we had some hard times a few years before I joined the Army, and uh, my dad busted his rear end and got us uh, to a good point, but I just wanted to help them out, and uh, I just uh, I always wanted to serve since I was a kid, but uh, I didn't have any money for uh, college. I remember Dad was taking me to the um, to college uh, to get enrolled, and he's telling me all about it. And uh, I just told him to take me to the recruiter. Um, I just didn't 
I just wanted to get it over with, honestly, and uh, just kind of uh, see what it was like and uh, see the world and uh, um, just a bunch of reasons. So when you were going in, did you have any idea what you were walking into? I mean, did you know anything about the Army, anybody in your family or anybody you knew that signed up? Um, I had some friends that I went to high school with that uh, joined the Army, and they joined the infantry. My uh, grand, Both my grandpas uh, were uh, served. One was in the Marines in the Pacific. The other was in uh, the Korean War, and uh, uh, he was with the Army. But... Uh, I just, uh, um, I never heard anything or knew anything about it, honestly. Uh, I just, from what I watched on movies or just would look on the internet, but those guys that I went to high school with that went before me, they, they helped me out and gave me some tips and, uh, um, uh, like my buddy Marvin Jones, uh, he joined the infantry probably two years before me and, uh, he came home and I just asked him advice and, uh, I was all gung ho and I wanted to join, like just do everything. And he was like, man, just, just calm down and, and, and do something light, you know, and uh, see if you like it. Uh, because once you sign up and you don't, you don't do these jobs correctly or you, you don't pass, uh, you're, you're kind of stuck and they put you where they want. So, um, he's a real good guy that, uh, helped me out with that stuff. But, uh, yeah, I was kind of clueless, honestly. What did your parents say when you told them that you wanted to sign up in a sense that like, you know, you're entering while two wars are going on? Oh man, they were, uh, my dad always tried to get me to join the coast guard or something. <laughs> Why do we laugh? We shouldn't do that to the coast guard, but we laugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I understand what he was saying. He, he, he just wanted me to have a career. You know, he told me to do 20 years or, you know, something like that. He was always giving me ideas to something to do, you know? Um, and uh, I just, I just wanted to be. I even talked to a Coast Guard recruiter, and I just, I don't know. I just wanted to be infantry in the army. And uh, um, my dad uh, went with me to the recruiter, and uh, my recruiter even tried to talk me out of it. He said, "Don't, uh, don't do it." My mom was, um, my mom was terrified and uh, uh, just really emotional, um, but. Uh, I, it's just something I wanted to do, and uh, you know, uh, they 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 supported me a hundred percent, man. Uh, uh, God bless my family. Well, okay, so uh, I, I've heard a lot of recruiter horror stories and a lot of recruiter, you know, mishaps. I, I haven't heard many of my recruiter tried to talk me out of signing up. What? How did that conversation go? Well, he just tried to talk me out of the infantry. Um, he, he tried to get me to do. Uh, think like uh commo uh, even uh i wanted to be a tanker at first i wanted to to do something with tanks and he said man you're just you're too big because i'm six three and um he, he's just you're way too tall so uh i said man let's just do infantry and uh yeah he just trying to talk me out of it and especially when my dad talked to him um he just uh I don't know. You know, when I look back at it now, maybe you just didn't want to see my family um, cry or something like that, you know, or I don't know. But uh, <laughs> he, he just he just he just tried to get me to do something else. He tried to get me to be a cook. Um, 
yeah but no i just told him i want to do the infantry and i want to go i want to i want to leave as soon as possible leave is in like leave for the army right like not like leave the country yeah okay um it's interesting just out of curiosity do you remember what your scores were on uh the asvab and everything else not good uh (laughs) so it looks like it was infantry regardless right yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I can't remember exactly. I just know I didn't. I didn't care uh, when I uh, I had it in. Uh, I think I had it in high school, like junior year or something. I just I was more into other stuff, and uh, I just didn't care about school, and uh, um, so I, I just didn't. I didn't try, and I just I I was just going to take it, whatever it was. So you know. Yeah. So when do you raise your right hand? Like, what's your day of your enlistment? Do you remember? Oh, uh, man. Um, Month, year? October. Uh, I'm pretty sure, like, uh, uh, when I raised my right hand, I can't remember, honestly. Um, I know that uh, when I was in that building, because uh, it's real quick, I know, like, my start date is October 3rd, uh, 2008. Okay. And, and uh, but... When I was in there, the the guy said, uh, "All right, I want everybody to to close their eyes, and if you don't feel this room is full of people, um, and he said uh, if you don't feel like joining and you change your mind and because this is it, um, he said uh, you're more welcome to leave." And uh, I thought maybe like two people left. Uh, when I opened my eyes, over half the room was gone. <laughs> um, yeah. Everybody next to me were gone. Uh, Are you thinking, damn, I should have walked out? Yeah, I was like, man. I, I was, they must know something I don't. Right. Um, but uh, he was really honest with us, and uh, maybe that scared him. But uh, I do, was going. Do you know if any of those people ever actually got back in, or they were, like, free at that point? Uh, I, I know I rode with, uh, one guy back to where I was from and, uh, he just said he couldn't do it. Wow. It's crazy. All right. So when you head off to basic, uh, do you have any idea like what it's going to be like? Did you do any research on it? Did you, did you look into it or you just sort of were winging it? Um, I did a little bit. Uh, asked my buddy, like I said, and no, I just, I just kind of went at it, man. Did you think it was physically demanding or no? Uh, yeah, at first, uh, I played basketball in uh, high school, so I was kind of fami- uh, familiar with, uh, you know, being smoked a lot. Right. But, uh, um, yeah, it was, uh, I wouldn't say it was a shock, but, uh, it was, uh, it was real demanding. Any point in basic where you're thinking, you know what, when they gave me the chance to run out of the room, I should have done it. And it's funny you say that because uh, when I was, uh, I'm always, I always find myself in these situations. So this, uh, we were standing next to, we were at Fort uh, Fort Benning. And we're standing there to get all like our gear, some stuff, you know, like layers right home, uh, um, soap and stuff like that. And we're all in uh, formation. And so. Uh, Drill sergeant walks by. I'll, I'll never forget this guy. This guy was this guy was pretty intense. His name was Sergeant Pesney. Um, I think he was the sergeant. He wasn't the drill sergeant. And uh, he was just there at uh, 30th AG to uh, watch us. Or 
uh, he and that's what he did. He watched us, but uh, he he walked up to us and he said, "Who wants to go home?" They're doing this thing where anybody that wants to go home, you can leave right now. They'll even pay you know pay for you to go to uh, the airport, the bus stop. And I was like, "No, this is this is a trick." And uh, again, everybody raised their hand, and uh, I didn't. And he smoked everybody that raised their hand. And, you know, it's just me and like one other person standing there. Uh, you know, I was like, "This is." Once I joined and I seen just how intense they were, I was like, "It's done. There's no way get. There's no way I can get out of this." And I don't want to. I didn't want to. I wanted to do it. You know. So after basic, you head off to uh, AIT, uh, infantry school, and everything else. I mean, is there any point, like, is there a culture shock for any of this for you, or are you just kind of going with the flow for the most part? I'm just kind of going with the flow, man. I love the, uh, I love the infantry. I love, uh, I loved everything about it. Um, it was, uh, it, it, it fit me real good. I liked it a lot. It was, that was a pleasant surprise. <laughs> Why do you say it was a pleasant surprise? Well, I mean, you just never really know, you know, uh, what you're getting yourself into. Uh, um, I was hoping uh, um, I was just be able to do it. And uh, uh, also, too, you know, I, I don't know the people uh, that I'm going to meet and uh, mm-hmm. serve with, you know, so I'm just kind of, I have a little bit of anxiety about that. And uh, I just want to perform good and, you know, so um the infantry was just uh it makes it makes men man it uh, mm-hmm. it really does and uh um, um I, I excelled in basic uh, i love basic and uh um though there were parts uh, you know like anybody you know where you, you hate it you kind of want to go home and you're sick of it or whatever the case is but overall i love was that one of those things where you real like you didn't really come to that realization till after the fact or were you aware like while you were going through it like man this is exactly where i'm supposed to be this is awesome yeah that was basically it it was awesome to me uh i remember uh um like uh rut marching i Mm -hmm. I remember doing that uh the first time and it killed me and uh it was because i didn't have my ruck on um i've i've went hiking a lot but i never went like backpacking i guess and uh um Drill Sergeant uh, Darling uh, helped me and showed me how to do it, man. And, uh, man, when we got out there and we rucked, it, it was like I was in my own zone, man, when we were rucking. I loved it. Uh, I, I was real good at it. I got long legs, and I can stride real good. And when people are passing out, I'm just I'm just still going. Yeah, uh, there's it's a weird thing with rucking, right? Like, it's definitely more mental than it is physical. Um, and, yes. and it's definitely how you handle the little things that could trip you up or annoy you, whether it's your foot rubbing in your sock the wrong way where you know a blister's coming or it's, you know, a pressure point that the ruck is putting on your back somewhere, or your shoulders. And it's just kind of, kind of one of those things where how much can you tune that stuff out uh, right. and just keep stepping, right? Right, exactly. And, uh, man, it was just fun. Uh, I remember, like I said, it was just when we would ruck, I was just, I was in my zone. It was it was great. And I'm from the South and, uh, my dad raised me to shoot. Um, and so I'm, I'm, you know, I, I wanted to make a point to, to show everybody that I know how to shoot. 
and uh, that's what I did. And uh, man, it was I loved the ranges that the Army had. Uh, I loved Fort Benning, man. It was a uh, um, it was fun. Shot expert. I mean, my the 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 skills I learned from my drill sergeants were excellent. Not even just my drill sergeants, other uh, drill sergeants and um, cadres that I would meet. Just just uh, I mean, of course they're in your face and stuff like that, man. But they're just they're trying to keep you alive, you know. Um, um, they they were just real cool dudes. You know, it's interesting. Uh, you, you talk about how much you love shooting. I, I don't know if you're aware, and this is a complete side note. Uh, how much the Army has changed their individual weapons qualification standards. Are you aware of any of this? No, I haven't heard anything. Oh, it's, it is it is off the charts different. I mean, it's no more, you know, 20 from prone supported, 20 from prone unsupported. Um, there there are magazine changes now. There is four different positions. Uh, it's all one-timed event where the clock doesn't stop and you go all the yeah. way through. I mean, it's, you know, you got to kneel, you got to stand, you got to go unsupported, you got to, you know, it, it, it's literally like a, it's almost like if you're looking at like a profile of steps um, and you have this thing in front of you where you're basically firing from four different positions, but it's wildly different now. And the way it goes is that you, you have to hit certain like gates. And if you fail one gate, you can't move on to the next one. Right. So it's it's become a lot more. Uh, I guess combat oriented is is more of what they're looking for. Um, but again, side note discussion. I, I always felt like when it came to the range, you're shooting for a score. So just shoot yeah. the best you can, right? It's it's not nothing about the old school qualification was ever really combat oriented. No, it isn't. And uh, you know, I think uh, I think that's good that they're doing that because uh, I love doing that too. Um, stuff like that, and uh, but. I, they should probably do uh, both, you know. Uh, um, you should you should qualify and get get in tune with your. Because uh, I would have guys come up to me and they're like, uh, they had these machines that would show you where you're hitting. Mm-hmm. This guy, I don't remember where he's from. He said, "Man, you're just how do you how can you shoot like this?" You know, um, I think people need to get in touch personally with their weapon, man. It's just you need to know how to shoot that thing, and. Uh, um, yeah, but that new, uh, that sounds, uh, that sounds pretty cool, actually. Like yeah. I mean, you, you can check it out online. You can, uh, you know, just Google it for the new army, uh, IWQ standards and you'll read all about how they do it. Um, and if you're somebody who likes the range, go out there and give it a shot one day. Anyway, I, I digress. Yeah. That'd be pretty sweet. F- figured you might enjoy that information. All right. So yeah. after, um, Fort Benning, you, you're heading off to, to four ID at this point in time, correct? Is that your first duty station? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, me and like maybe I was the only one in my platoon, and then two other guys. Yeah. When do you actually arrive at Fort Carson? Uh, I got there. Let's see, I got there in I think I think February, early February. Yeah. Now maybe w- like the first week. Yeah. When when you get there. Um, how quickly are you hearing about Afghanistan at this point? I heard about Afghanistan uh, on my, because uh, we got our orders before, they made us take leave at basic for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, maybe I got there in January. I can't remember. It's in that time frame somewhere. But um, uh, this guy, when I got back, uh, uh, he said, uh, you're going to fourth ID, Fort Carson. I said, yeah. And he said, they're deploying to Afghanistan. So you're going to Afghanistan. So I heard about it before I got there. And then, yeah, when I got there, 
Um, that's what everyone was talking about. When you first heard it, what was your first thought, first feeling? I said, uh, we trained uh, solely on uh, Iraq. Like uh, most of Benning was, uh, besides a few ranges where you're, you know, in the woods or, you know, whatever, uh, it was mainly uh, urban combat. So uh, that was my first uh, thought. I was like, I don't know if it's urban or, or what, what it's like in Afghanistan. So um, I did a little bit of research and uh, uh, just kind of figured we uh, we would be training for stuff like that. And of course, we were in the mountains in Colorado, so that made sense. Got it. All right. So did you tell your family when, when you heard? Yeah. Yeah. What did they say? They were just uh, real nervous. Uh, yeah, just real nervous. Real nervous and supportive, but um, my mom was just freaking out, you know. Uh, <laughs> she just didn't want nothing to happen to me, and, uh, um, you know, they were just real kind. It's the only time I ever seen my dad cry in my life uh, is when I left for the line. So when you left, you talk about Christmas break leave, and you knew, or? No, I meant uh, when I left the recruiters to go, and I was going. Oh, gotcha, uh, gotcha. Sorry about that. No, yeah, I mean, listen, hey, I mean uh, – I hear that, you know, and it never, um, you know, I guess fortunately for me, I don't know if it bothered you, but I, my, I never saw it from my parents, right? They did it alone. Um, if they were ever yeah. upset or scared or anything like that, like I never was in the room. So uh, I don't know if it affected, I, I think it would have affected me. It would have really probably shook me up. It didn't bother yeah. you at all or did it? Well, my dad wasn't like, uh, he wasn't like terrified. Uh, I mean, he was crying, you know, and he was scared uh, for me, but uh, he, he, dad's real uh he's he's been in the healthcare field i mean he's saved people's lives right for for probably 40 years i mean so but uh um dad was always real supportive and uh he always just told me to kill those motherfuckers so that's just what i do <laughs> good advice dad <laughs> yeah exactly he said uh, he told me he said don't you damn hesitate and i said no more yeah, uh, probably the best advice you can get, right? Um, yeah, exactly. So as you're doing train-up for this, um, what's it like, like, you know, day-to-day as far as the train-up is concerned? Do, do you feel like this is really preparing you for what you're going into? Um, yeah, I, we we had some real good uh, uh, ranges uh, that they set up. Uh, um, they, they definitely made use of Colorado's terrain, getting us used to uh, – walking up and down mountains and stuff like that and getting used to what was dangerous. Uh, um, and, uh, you know, I, I just, we had real squared away NCOs like Sergeant Kirk and Sergeant Romache and, uh, and Sergeant Gallegos. And they, they just, man, they took care of us and, uh, they taught us a lot and they were, they were hard on us. Um, I, not like they weren't like hazing us, but I mean, they were hard on us to, to, make sure we understood that, uh, this is for real. And, right. uh, um, it, the training was good. Uh, you could tell though, when I got there, everybody was just itching to go though. Really? Yeah. What, what was it like as far as gelling with the guys in you? You mentioned a couple of the, the names that people who have heard this story know, what was it like, you know, gelling with those guys and, and how important was that for you? Um, I'm real shy. Um, takes me a minute to loosen up when I get to talking or, you know, get to know someone. I got to meet you a few times. But uh, um, when I first met everybody in the platoon, uh, 
um, I think the first person I met was uh, Copas, and then Kugler, and then I met. Uh, 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 no, I guess the first person I would have met was Sergeant G. Yeah, uh, our platoon sergeant, and he was from uh, California. He just kept calling me a dick a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's gotta, like, "What's up?" Gotta love, gotta love the infantry. <laughs> yeah, uh, and plus too, they were. Uh, they were cavalry uh, guys, and uh, right. I was I was infantry. And I remember getting there, and uh, it uh, we got our orders, and it was uh, I had three six one cavalry. I was like, what? I watched the video, and I know you know I watched old west westerns and stuff, so I had like a little bit of an idea. But I was like, man, what are, what are these guys? What do they do? And, uh, my buddy looked at me, and he said, uh, and he went to one twelve infantry. Uh, he said they're uh, like infantry, but the, they do the same job, but they have less people. So I went from like 60 people in a platoon to 20 people. Um, so that was that was an adjustment too. Right, right. Did you feel like though after a while, like with the train up and you know, uh, for a guy who loved the infantry, that everything was meshing well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, those guys were uh, those guys were some uh, some characters, man. They were some wild dudes, and uh, like I said, they were itching to go. Um, we we had a lot of people that were when I got to the platoon that were having issues or or wherever the case is. Uh, we had one guy go AWOL. Uh, another guy um, uh, was having like uh, some type of personal problems where they had to like watch him or something and uh uh so this is all happening when i first get there (laughs) and um so um i'd say we lost maybe like three or four people when we first when i first got there and they just we were getting people like i think we got night like two weeks before we deployed um uh or or something like that wilson ryan wilson was another one Mm -hmm. Um, they just threw him in, uh, but, uh, a lot of the guys where I was infantry at the beginning, they wouldn't talk to me. Uh, uh, I had to kind of, and that, and I knew that, and that, that goes anywhere. You're going to have to prove, you can talk all the shit you want, but the proof's in the pudding, man. You got, you got to show it. And, uh, um, you got to take care of shit. This is their platoon. You're joining it. And, uh, so I just, uh took a lot of insults uh they they fucked with me a lot uh but it's the red platoon um identity almost uh and i could get into that deeper but it's 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 just it's just how it was it's it they, they're just like really hard on each other um uh, no mercy right. and but it's nothing but love though you know it's not like like in that damn movie they got us playing like we're fucking tickling people and frat boy fucking morons that's nothing how it was not a fucking i mean not even close and uh they'll never understand how hard um and i'll just give you a a little story real quick to this is red platoon to a t they had guys come in replace our guys after keating happened and we lost people and uh, they wanted to add a little bit to us. And we got some guys, um, 
I was outside smoking a cigarette outside the barracks and this guy that went to blue platoon come running out of the barracks and uh, the NCOs were chasing him and they're like, man, it's just a fucking joke. You know, chill out. Right. They could have sent you to red platoon and they would have fucking eaten you alive. And uh, that's just, uh, that's just who we were, man. We were no bullshit. It, you know, it's, it's, uh, we, we call it like we see it. Um, and, and it was a real platoon, man. I, I, I loved every minute. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, others from your platoon have echoed that sentiment. You mentioned Knight before. That's Kyle Knight. He was also a previous guest on, on the show. And uh, obviously, the movie you were referencing, The Outpost, we'll get into that uh, coming up later on. All right, so uh, when do you get to Afghanistan? I got to Afghanistan in, <clears throat> I believe it was June. Okay. Uh, we left like May 23rd, and we got there like a week later, basically. Got it. All right. So you're on ground in June and you got, you know, three solid full months before, um, you know, the Battle of Kandesh happens. What is it like day to day life there? How much engagement from the enemy are you seeing? Uh, do you feel at any point in time like, uh, you know, we're in serious danger? This is a bad spot kind of deal? Oh, yeah, man. It uh, When we we landed there at night and. Uh, fucking see the stars like you're like man where is everything and uh, uh, i looked straight up and i seen it and i said okay we're in a we're at the bottom of something and uh uh we woke up the next morning Romache woke me up and uh he uh he was taking me on a uh you know just to show me the the cop and he was just like when i walked out there i was like man we're fucked it it's i don't know why they would put this here um was my first you know just overall mm-hmm. uh impression Rome the same thing it's just like dude we're we're fucked and, um yeah uh, well look i mean it's funny because other people i've asked and I'll, I'll reference kyle Knight again you know i asked him that same question because you know as an outside observer when i first started studying this engagement in this battle th- there's not a single thing that I've learned in my 20 plus years of the military that would ever look at that spot and go, this is a great place for a post. Like this is a great place to put put our guys. It goes yeah. against every single basic premise you learn about combat. Um, yeah. And, and they decided, and they being the infinite powers that be, uh, AKA the military, that this was a necessary place of ground for, for you guys to hold. And, and full disclosure, for those who don't know, the post was there for years before this battle happened. Um, it's, it's, so it's not the first time that it was there. It's not the first time that it's been under attack, but uh, never, never obviously to the level that you guys experienced. But yeah, I mean, you know, and, and I remember talking to Kyle and Kyle's like, nah, I never really thought that. You know, I just figured it was where we were. And I'm like, dude, like, just watch G.I. Yeah. Joe at some point in your career. <laughs> And know that you're screwed. Like, I mean, it, it, you didn't need... Guy doesn't watch movies. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, you don't need a high level of understanding um, to know that when everything around you is surrounded by mountains, that you're in a bad spot. So, uh, you know, again, I, I think most of you guys just accepted it, right? Because that's what we yeah. learn to do. You follow orders, right? Um, yeah. Embrace suck, as the infantry says. Uh, it's... Um, uh, that's just what it is, man. And, uh, yeah, that's... Um, you know, I never, I never once was like, "Hey, let's move this place." Uh, you know, I just it, 
they but i think as soon as we landed they were talking about closing it yeah they were i I just kind of figured they knew it was a a fucked place well and and uh, i guess the 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 better question is like is there a sense like they sent me here to die because i mean to me and again i there are missions I've gone on in, in, throughout my career when I was in Iraq where I'm just like, this is bad. Like everything laid out about this doesn't end well. Objectively, yeah. I, you run through every scenario in your head, right, about what happens and what could go wrong and how you're going to counteract it. And it always looks like you're drawing bad cards. And so from that standpoint, it's like, damn, you're you're asking me to pull off the impossible. Yeah. Yeah, that's – uh I kind of, yeah, I felt that way. Um, it, it was just, uh, in in a certain sense, yeah, I, I felt like, uh, man, they. Sometimes I was wondering, you know, if, did they drop the ball, or you know, like you're saying, it did. Am I just? Uh, we're just kind of, for whatever reason, they really want to hold this place, and I'm about to die here, and we're all about to die here. Um, um, you know, but uh, we didn't let it get us down, though. Um, um, you know, we, we, we weren't depressed about it or anything. Uh, we, you know, like our motto, um, doesn't get better. You know, it's, it's, it, it is what it is. Right. So let's fast forward to uh, October 2nd that evening. Um, are you on duty anywhere? You're pulling guard duty. What are you doing? Yeah. Um, I can't remember because they had us on Zulu time sometimes. And uh, I just, my nights and days would get so mad. I'm like, what time is it? You know, mm-hmm. just, uh, but uh, I remember pulling guard probably six hours. So I think I got off guard at like midnight and uh, you could tell um, some shit was going down. Uh, they, they totally blocked the whole gate. When I relieved Davidson out of the ECP, he said, uh, he said, man, if you see, uh, I can't remember what commander he said, they told us to kill him or, or, uh, capture him or something. And, uh, um, so I was like, okay, this is in, they, I'm sure it's been said a lot, but they would always say they were going to attack us with like a hundred people. And they would, I mean, when we first got there, God, we would get in the firefights two to three times a day. And uh, sometimes they wouldn't even count the tick. You know, I'm just, uh, I'm like, uh, I just, I was taking cans to get water burn. I can tell you how many times I got shot at taking trash to a fucking burn pit. Um, me and Wilson, we are getting water one time. This guy, I mean, he almost killed Wilson. I mean, and uh, uh, Wilson dropped the fucking water. I was like, I ain't leaving that shit. You know, we walked all the way up here. I ain't leaving. I grabbed that shit. <laughs> Um, it's a matter of principle was, now. Yeah, exactly. I was like, fuck <laughs> these assholes, you know. Uh, and we would just uh, run back uh, uh, and get her, you know, get going and stuff and uh, fight back. And sometimes they wouldn't, you know. It's just like they're just popping it. I would be sitting on guard, ECP, and I'd I'd hear I'd hear something, and then I'd see a bullet probably, you know, a foot or two away from me just hit the building. Like, oh well, he's he's got me. He's got me in his sights, and he just keeps shooting. I'm just like, oh well, I'll, I'll see your fucking muzzle flash one day, asshole. You know, and I would sometimes, and uh, um, we would just wax them or call up a, 
uh, target reference point and, you know, adjust and they just fucking smoke them. And, uh, um, when we, when we got there, Red Platoon, that was a Red Platoon show. That wasn't, I mean, they were supposed to send us to Fritchie and, uh, from what I understand, I don't know for a fact, this is what I hear. Uh, he didn't want us to fucking leave because, uh, he knew we would shoot, you know, kill the enemy. You know, uh, we didn't have a problem fighting them. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was, it was crazy. It was, it was a wild, it was a wild fucking west, man. It was, it was nuts. All right. So every day was nuts. Early morning on October 3rd, you're waking up to gunfire and explosions, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I woke up to explosions. All right. What, what's the first thought in your mind? Um, was it like, here we go again, or oh shit, this is different? I think uh, the first thought in my mind was like, uh, um, I said, where am I going? You know, I look at my chart because I'm, I'm fucking out of it. And uh, I'm like, where? And then I start hearing the, the bombs keep going off and on and off. And I was like, damn, they're fucking going heavy. And I remember Kirk being like, man, they're fucking uh, laying it on us tonight, uh, today. And uh, he looked at me and he said, Jones, what time is it? And I said, I think I told him it was like 6.02 or 3 or something like that. And uh, that's the last thing I ever said to him. I've never seen him alive again. And uh, I went out to, uh, I grabbed ammo and went with Danley uh, to Kofis' position, which was, uh, gosh, Elraz Warren. And, uh, you know, I'm just helping Kofis out at that, uh, at that moment. That's where I went to first. <laughs> When you think about that moment, like the last words you said to him, uh, and you think back on it now, I mean, obviously, you know, you don't say anything different in that moment, but it's just, uh, does it bother you at all? Yeah, it does bother me, man, because uh, uh, Kirk was just really good to me when I got to the platoon. He was just, uh, you know, he looked out for me. He would... uh um, teach me things, you know, like you wouldn't get in basic or, you know, the other guys wouldn't care to tell you or nothing. He actually cared about his soldiers and, uh, he, uh, and he was just a warrior. Um, uh, man. Yeah. It was just, uh, it's horrible, man. I, I, I hate he got killed. I was always with him. I was, uh, that's what kills me is I was always around him. and, uh, Sometimes I could, I could say things to him like, man, hey, sorry, this is not, you know, like, we don't need to do that because we're going to, he would listen to me and uh, I don't, I, I can't go back and forth with that because I wasn't fucking there. But it's just, uh, it bothers me because when my parents came to Colorado because I didn't even fucking leave where uh, the army made me take leave during Christmas, so I couldn't go see my family before I go to Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. So my family came to see me. Um, and uh, Sergeant Kirk made it a point to, to talk to my mom and dad, man. And uh, he said he'll never be five feet from me. And, uh, I just wish I was with him. Um, but it is what it is. All right, so uh, as this thing starts to continue to go, what's the first order that you hear? Like, who's the first person who tells you, hey, Jones, get here? Uh, we have a board 
uh, were, you know, like depending on what time, you know, cause we'd sleep in different rotations. Right. Uh, uh, and, uh, I had a board and it said, uh, Dan Lee and Jones go to Elran at this time, go to Elran's, uh, one with Cokes. Um, so that's where I went. And, um, you know, honestly, I just fought so hard all day and I was just running and gunning the whole time. I mean, the whole day, um, I was, man, just running and gunning, man. And, uh, uh, you know, I don't remember how long I was there. I remember we were behind the Humvee and, uh, Copas told us, he said, man, there's a, uh, a sniper trying to shoot me back there. Y'all might want to watch out. And Danley said, man, let's move in to the front of the Humvee. And, uh, uh, if we didn't do that, we'd be fucking dead. Uh, like a B10 round, like exploded right where we were at, like probably like a 30 seconds later, like a minute later. Wow. And, uh, we were there and, uh, uh, we were, you know, we, we talked guns, uh, with, with Copas, you know, help him reload or, you know, uh, start shooting, uh, uh, when we needed to, I remember looking to my left, I don't know why I looked and, um, I don't know if the guy was dead or not. Um, but he was just, it was a, it was a A&A soldier and he was in his tower and he was just had his hands behind his head with his legs folded um set up on the uh tower and i watched him get blown to a million pieces ain't nothing left of him um he uh i don't know what i i thought he was dead but he jumped up right before the bomb exploded and uh so uh they uh they that's when they man they they dropped bombs for a long time like rpgs and b10s and shit like that and um mortars and um i can't remember how long they they did they did that for a while so another you know more would come in and i remember one hitting uh right in front of us and uh probably a, a shrapnel a piece of shrapnel the size of a, a um a plate maybe a little bigger like a you know a plate where you eat off of and uh it hit uh my knee was flexed, so you know I was crouched down, and uh, that that thing cuts through Danley's uh, helmet and um, hits me right in my damn knee, man. And uh, if my knee wasn't flexed and it hit me blunt, it didn't hit me on the edge. Right. Thank God. Uh, it it uh, chopped my leg off. Really? Yeah. It it man that. It hurts so bad, and uh, that's what I hate about. Like, I can't remember whose book uh, it was, but I was like, "There's like Jones hit, uh, got hit with shrapnel in his knee, and he, you know they inspected him. He's fine. No, then no one fucking inspected me. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I was like, I was like, holy shit, this is fuck. I mean, it killed, and um, um, uh. I just, my, my adrenaline just kept pumping. I said, fuck it. And, um, you know, I, I got over it. Um, I think they just remember me being like, ah, oh, my, my, my knee, you know, just screaming it. But, uh, cause that, that shit fucking hurt. And, um, man, it was just, 
it, it was chaos. I say that all the time, but it, that's just what it was. It was chaos. So your first position from where you are at LRAS 1 isn't far from your barracks, uh, so you don't have to run that far. Um, right. But, I mean, and you're, and you're next to the aid station, uh, and you're sort of between the aid station and, and the talk. Are yeah. you able to see what's going on around you, or are you just so engaged with the enemy at this point where you don't have time to look around? Yeah, I really don't have time to look around. Uh, and I'm feeding copious ammo, and uh, um, I'm engaging guys on the diving board. And plus, we're getting sniped at from people um, that are on the north face and probably a little closer uh, towards the diving board on the opposite mm-hmm. side of the river. And for those listening, sorry to interrupt, just diving board was an area of the mountains that it's just a name for the area of the mountains uh, that were to the north, northwest, I guess, right? In, in that direction? Uh, the, man, yeah, I, I guess it would be. Yeah, yeah, it's north something. Yeah, north, northeast, I don't know. It's, <laughs> let me look here. I'm looking at a map, so, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to orient myself. Maybe it's north, yeah, northeast. Yeah, it's not a good one, though. Yeah, um, I know. But regardless, I just yeah. people for for a frame of reference. I wanted them to know that you were diving board is an area of the mountain that you guys had named just so you had a you know a, a direction so to speak to fire at. I'd say it's east southeast. Yeah. Okay. Um. Because uh, you're on the north end of the you're on the north end of the copper Elras is. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So you're you're engaged with the enemy at this point, and do you get a sense that at this point you know whatever whether five ten minutes obviously you don't have a, a grip of time but. Is this is just different than every other time? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was like, man, they're. <laughs> I was like, man, they're really fucking hitting us today. Uh, uh, you know, like I said, we get shot at all the time. We engage with them, you know, for like an hour or something or whatever. And sometimes and uh, or they snipe at us for a while and. Uh, but uh, yeah, man, it's just the <laughs> the bombs wouldn't stop, you know. So I started notice. I was like, man, this is. Uh, you know, that's, we're fucked basically. Uh, not like a depressing, I wasn't like, Oh, we're going to die. I'm just going to stand here. No, I was just like, okay, yeah, we're probably going to fucking die. Um, and that's what Ronche said to us. Uh, uh, when he came up to the LRAS, he had blood in his teeth. And, uh, he looked at me and he said, uh, uh, Jones, I need you to, uh, um, go behind the generator, which is uh, uh, in, in front of the mosque. Mm-hmm. And uh, Gregory's in it. There was a trench behind there. And then he said, Gregory's there and he's pinned down. He needs help. And you need to cover fire for the people uh, uh, running that truck, which would be Hart and uh, Griffin, and uh, I, I believe, yeah. And uh, uh, going to that truck and uh so i um and that's when i got injured and uh uh blown up uh is instantly uh, i uh i took i grabbed a machine gun uh mark 48 uh which is a sweet sweet weapon um uh, and uh i just started running and uh i, I don't like I remember, like wake it. Like I remember, like the the bomb exploding, and like you know, I'm just kind of. But uh, that's when I got injured first, and I got blown back. I can't remember how far it was in front of me. Um, but the concussion, and I was kind of on the incline. I was running between 
um, the uh, command post, you know, the talk and uh, uh, blue platoon's barracks. Mm-hmm. And it blew me back into the smoke pit uh, that blue platoon would uh, sit in. And uh, I hit the stairs and then another one hit the building uh, as I was going down. Uh, and man, it, it just, it, it waxed me. I mean, like I have problems with my back to this day. My back is, is still fucked. Uh, um, it kills me every fucking day. Wow. And, um, and that's, that's when I noticed it. Cause it was just, man. Uh, uh, and I came to, I remember Copas and Romache screaming for me. And, uh, I just kind of came to, and, uh, I got up and I told him I was okay. And, uh, uh, I ran to, uh, I started running again and, uh, I stopped, uh, around the corner and the, uh, RPG went right by me and went into the, uh, uh, uh I believe it was the headquarters, uh, barracks, uh, and blew a hole in the headquarters barracks. And uh, then another one hit it. So I low crawled all the way from uh, uh, the top to behind the mosque to find Gregory. Mm-hmm. And uh, Gregory told me that uh, uh, to get down, that there's snipers. And uh, I was in that trench for a long time. So uh, uh, maybe an hour or so I, I, or two. I, I can't. Um, yeah. It was, uh, yep. All right. So when you get to that trench, as you mentioned, you're there for an hour, but over the course of that hour, um, a couple of other things are happening. Most notably, um, the enemy breaks the wire and they're inside of the compound. Do you see this happen? Do you know what happens? Yeah. Okay. And so when you first see them inside, what do you say? What do you do? How do you react? Um, we were, uh, like I said, we were, uh, providing cover for like Hart and them. And, uh, uh, you know, and I was running low on ammo. Like everybody ran him ammo. And I, and by the way, Hart was in the truck you were talking about before that you were trying yeah. to get to. Correct. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, they tried to run him ammo again. And, uh, uh, I remember I, cause I had to crouch down. We had to jump in and out of that trench. And I want you to understand something, man. Like it, and uh, Justin Gregory was in that trench with me, and sometimes other people would be, and they they get away sometimes. But we had snipers like pinned down, like pinned us down, like bats, and, and like we would jump out. And I'm gonna tell you about Greg. Greg and I would jump out, you know, and they would try to fucking kill us, you know, like bullets are hitting right next to our fucking faces, and uh, um. You know, and we're providing cover fire, and you know, like we're running out of fucking ammo. And uh, I remember we jumped back down after they tried to uh, uh, run ammo to those guys again. They they could they didn't even make it fucking ten feet because it was just I mean it was all over the place. And uh, I remember how long went by about Greg. You know, we pop up and engage them, and I was like, Greg, man, no one brought me fucking ammo, nothing. And uh, I was running out of fucking ammo. And, um, man, I even asked people, bring me back ammo. Bring me back ammo. And uh, no one brought me ammo. <laughs> um, so um, we're, 
I'm picking my shots now. And I mean, I'm being honest, like you, you could just look up and fucking engage. Them. I mean, they're all over the fucking place. Muzzle and you're just seeing all. muzzle flashes, right? Uh, I've seen them. I've seen people. Uh, I shot people. I, um, I shot at muzzle flashes. Uh, um, but yeah, I shot at people mainly. I mean, they look like fucking ants sometimes. Like you'd see them crawling down and, that, and I was good at this. You know, a lot of the other guys, they're going to hold a point and be like, Jonesy, how the fuck do you see? I'm using my fucking eyes and I'm looking. <laughs> and, and I, you know, I don't understand. I'm not trying to talk shit about other people, but it's just like, come on, motherfuckers. Like, you know, this is, you know, this is real. This is, you use your eye, look. Um, but uh, um, when Greg popped up and we were, we were doing, I can't remember, we were just engaging. And Greg's like, they're in the fucking, uh, they're in the wire, man. He said they're right over there by the the fucking showers, and um, he said, "Man, uh, uh, what are what are what are we gonna do? Should we just, you know, because you know that's that's kind of we were gauging them at a distance. Like I said, we still had snipers and stuff on us, and uh, he said, uh, let's just, you know, let's just engage them. And so we counted, and we jumped up, and uh, um, we engaged them, and we shot those guys, and uh, there were other guys near the uh, uh, the shitters and, uh, um, uh, the, the mechanic, uh, mechanics bay or, uh, yeah, mechanics bay and truck one where, where truck one was that Hart has taken to, uh, help Gallegos. Um, they, they were all over the fucking place. And like I said, I was running out of ammo. We engaged and jump up and down and they started throwing fucking grenades at us. Um, Shooting RPGs at us. The... I mean, are you confused as to what to shoot at at this point? Or are you just moving as quick as you can, acquiring a target, putting a round on, and moving on to the next? Yes, that's basically it. I'm shooting every fucking thing I see, basically, and trying to conserve. At the end, like I said, when I started running out of ammo, I was trying to conserve it and and pick my shots now because it's just it's I have like 50 rounds left, and and in a Mark 48, you know that's. And that's why I give that my tip my hat to that firearm. Oh my God! If I could just shake FN's hand or something, I mean, that 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 weapon saved my fucking life and it saved Greg's life in that fucking trench. And uh, um, it didn't jam. It it didn't uh, um, it didn't fail me one fucking time. And it stood right there and it even shot. I mean, no, I don't know if you've ever shot one in your life, but uh, no, it, it's man, it, it's 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 the greatest gun one of the greatest guns i've ever shot and uh um so we engaged them and uh like i said so when we killed those guys that we got their fucking attention and people would come in and out of our trench uh when they could uh never bringing fucking ammo and uh <laughs> how many times i gotta tell you guys bring me some damn ammo dude man yeah right and uh um uh, it was Sergeant days. And we told him that there's guys in the wire. And that's when he said, that's where that Charlie in the wire shit comes from is. And I'm, when I told Sergeant days, this, I'm telling you, there's a sniper and he is literally, and I, sometimes I wonder like how I got away because when we would jump up, he could have just shot like, you know, like, I don't know if like they were engaging other people, they get fucking bored. Cause Copus was on the Mark 19 on the diving board too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I don't know, you know, uh, Thank God, but uh, um, days, we were like, he's like, 
Enemy and Charlie and the Wire, he came up on the fucking radio and was screaming or something. Bullets were really the guy who had him. It hit probably about a foot away from his face, and then he was walking it in. We could see it, and he did that to me too up on the Hesco above that. Uh, he shot, and then he shot, and then he shot. And he almost hit me um, multiple times. I had to run in. He, he'd shoot me, and it hit clip the top of my Kevlar or my Kevlar helmet, and. Uh, I couldn't tell you how many times I got shot in the head in that trench, and 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 Greg just, um, man, it, it that trench was fucking, and like I said, they were throwing fucking grenades at us, and uh, Greg asked me, he said, "What are they doing?" I said, "They're throwing fucking grenades," and uh, you could hear them uh, hit, and then they'd explode, and uh, man, it was it, it it was fucking crazy, and then. Uh, um, Daniel came in that trench at one point and told me Kirk and Kirk was dead. I mean, and, when, uh, when you heard that, what did it do to you? Um, or you didn't have time to really process it at the moment. It pissed me the fuck off, man. I mean, like, um, I was already doing my job, but when I heard Kirk got killed, man, I just kind of had this sense of like, fuck it. And like, uh, you know, um, I mean, like it, it, and then that's when I found out, like I was, uh, I was bleeding from my, the, my back. I took shrapnel to my back and, uh, to the back of my head and, uh, like below where my helmet was. And like, I'm like bleeding, uh, Danley just pulled blood and he's like, bro, you're, you're bleeding, man. And I, was, I remember asking him if it was bad and he said, no, you'll make it. And, uh. You know, and, and that's, you know, I want to give a shout out to Dan Lee. He doesn't, you know, he gets a lot of a bad rap, but uh, Dan Lee was a good guy, man. And uh, Why does he, he get a, a bad rap? He just, uh, you know, he would get in trouble a lot. Sometimes he wouldn't listen. Um, uh, he uh, just, I'm not going to tell you everything, but uh, he, he just get a bad rap sometimes, man. And then. Uh, I think if you read the books, it says something about it in there. And, uh, you know, he had problems, man. Uh, you know, I can tell you more what later after I get out of that trench, what happened to him. But uh, that day, uh, man, he, 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 he was a shooter that day too, man. I mean, right. he, he, he did his job. Uh, at the risk of not casting aspersions on anybody, um, I'll try to answer this question, answer, ask this question tactfully, but I get mm. the sense that Gregory wasn't as engaged as you were in this. Um, sometimes, um, you know, I mean, cause he's I, in this trench with you. It's just the two of you. Yeah. Um, sometimes I think, um, I, I don't know how else to explain this other than like, bro, we're, we're going to die. Like, it's just, it, it's, it's, the guy's got us pinned down. I move my face one wrong way. He's going to fucking shoot a hole through my head. Um, you know, um, and he gets a bad rap. And, 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 uh, and I, I'm going to point to something later that will uh, kind of put that to rest about Greg. Greg killed people that day. Greg, Greg did his job. Sometimes he had a, and I'm going to say this, and I ain't going to name names just because we're talking about Greg, but um, 
there was a lot of people that day, and you know who you are, that didn't do what they say they did, that that are liars, that that were cowards, and I know who you are, okay? Um, and that's all I'll say about that. Yeah, you're not the first person to make that assertion um, that we've spoken to. Uh, and, and uh, well, I'm not going to, again, uh, we're not here to smear anybody's name. I, I guess the frustrating part of that is you talk about the unit camaraderie, right? And we were talking before about meshing with the guys and, you know, the army goes out of its way to sort of create a unit cohesion, right? It's something that leaders almost force down your throats. And in the moments when you needed unit cohesion the most, it wasn't there. And I guess that's just disheartening to hear. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and uh, look, if I was you, I don't want to cut you off. If I was you, I'd be pissed too. Like I would have that same sort of animosity and emotion that you're, you're sort of showing because it's yeah. like, dude, you know, fuck you. Like the moment I need you the most, you bail. Like that is the, the I guess the sin of all sins for people in combat. Yeah, exactly. It, it reminded me of just, you know, uh, um, I'm not even going to say that it, it's, you know, but I'll be honest with you. I, I was mad for the longest time mm-hmm. and, um, I held it against people and I still, I still do, but I try not to let it, uh, consume me. And because the more I think about it, um, these people are, they've already accepted death, you know, and have rolled over. In, in some ways, a lot of them, and they, they're terrified. Um, it's the, just the, the, I don't want to mean it like they're pussies, like, uh, like the, they aren't, because I, let me tell you something. There was a lot of guys that day that were fucking not pussies and were fucking awesome. But I'm just saying like, it, I'm not trying to make the army look bad, but there were some, a lot of people that you're just like, wow, bro. Like you're saying, like, you you really dropped the fucking ball, man. No, like, well, uh, I, I don't think you're making the Army look bad. I, I, well, I've said it a, plenty, dozens of times on the, on the podcast. Like, yeah. the toughest guys in the world, sometimes the first bullet flies. They're not so tough anymore. It's, it's, it's the old <laughs> Mike Tyson adage, right? Everyone's got a plan until they get yes. punched in the mouth. You know, everyone's oh, yeah. got a great idea of how awesome they're going to be when bullets are flying until the first one whizzes by your ear. And you got yeah. a you got a new definition of what life means to you, you know, um, yeah. because it's those moments where it's not about your life, it's about the guy next to you, it's oh, about his life. life and her life or whatever it may be, and 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 to put yourself and your own welfare in front of another soldier is again, it's it's the ultimate sin. It's not what we're yeah. taught to do. It's not how it's not how we're it's not how we're raised in the military in general. Yeah, and I don't know if that's like a. Um, and you're absolutely right, man. You know, uh, uh, I, I, I do feel like that. And, uh, it, I don't know if it's just because, and I'm, I love the cavalry, but I don't know, like the infantry was just really different. Maybe, sure. maybe it's just, and uh, maybe it's just taught. And sometimes I, I think about it and I was like, man, you know, in all, all honesty, I got to give thanks to my, uh, to God and, um, I've got to um, give thanks to my father because my father, 
taught me how the army didn't teach me how to shoot um my father taught me how to shoot and um i taught people in basic training how to shoot um they didn't even know what they were doing and um um you know so i gotta give a little i give a thanks to him and my people where i'm from because i i think that has a lot to do with it and um and i'm not saying like there wherever these people are from there isn't hard pe awesome people or hard people I, i'm just saying like you know w the way i was raised and and what i was taught and then what the infantry taught me maybe i was just it was just a better suit because a lot of these guys man um and that's what i was trying to say is they're terrified their mm -hmm. life's over it's done man you're gonna be fighting one of these dudes um and we did um feet away from me man it's it, this is it and right. and i don't in like other interviews i've done this stuff i i would listen back at and I, i'm like man i hope i try i feel i hate sounding stupid but i mean that's just a normal reaction i'm just trying to get my point across is i accepted death but like in a different different well, but way the, you know but that's I mean? see like, the thing is that that's that's part of the agreement right like right it, there's there there are certain people, and I think this is all walks of life. But in the military, there there are certain people who, you know, aren't able to come to grips with their own mortality. You know, I, I mean, I've told the story before on the podcast. Like, there were certain days where where I would get on the roads in Iraq, and I, I just when I I'd wake up that morning, almost certain this is my last day on Earth. I just have a yeah. feeling. Like, how many times can you roll the dice, right? And 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 drive around Baghdad before the IED literally blows you into a million pieces, right? And so exactly. I, I'd have this overwhelming feeling, and I, I could remember vividly, you know, it, it it would be so consuming, but I didn't want to let any of my soldiers see me get nervous or see me worried. And right before we got into the vehicles to roll, I walked behind a building, you know, said a quick prayer, and just basically said, God, whatever happens, let me do the right thing, and let me put other people before myself. Let me do what I'm trained to do. And and let me take care of my soldiers and, and let them make this out of this alive if I can't. Took a deep breath, exhaled, and never thought twice. Because I, awesome. you, have to, you have to come to grips with the fact that, look, you know, this is what the deal is. This is part of what you signed up for. And, yep. and you can't walk away from that now because the stakes have changed, right? Like I signed up in a pre-9-11 era. I'm old. I signed up in a pre-9-11 era where none of this stuff was part of the equation. But it right. becomes part of the equation, and whether you want to acknowledge that or not, it doesn't change, you know, the oath that you take and what it means, and, and what it means to serve with others. And so, you know, I, I there are people who don't know how to do that, and, and they react accordingly. And we see them, and, and some people use the word coward, some people use the word liar, or whatever it may be, whatever suits that that individual. And I'm not saying they're wrong for choosing those words by any stretch. But I, I, I mean, I'm somebody who just recognizes that, you know, like I shake my head and like, well, we're not doing that with this individual again. That's for damn sure. Right. Like, right. <laughs> next time we go somewhere, you're not going to be next to me because I can't trust you to make the right decision at this point. Because you, you really only get one shot at it. You really only get one crack at it to know if, if I think you can save my life. Exactly. And, you know, and that uh, that that is why you you're. Ex, you know, like like I was trying to say earlier, is uh, you know it, the the proof's in the pudding. When when you do it and you show it, and and you live by it, 
um, you, you're the leaders in your platoon. You're you're the guy that's uh, um, putting his uh, uh, putting his guys before itself, you know. And uh, you know, I was lucky. And all these people I'm talking about, um, and uh, is is not red platoon. I mean, a few maybe, but um, red platoon, man, that was a red platoon show that day. I mean, uh, uh, it it really was. And there was a few other guys, absolutely. Um, but, uh, um, thank God for red platoon, man. I, I want to um, ask you one more question on, on this subject about guys who, who didn't do what we would expect them to do. Obviously yeah. you're angry. Um, and, and I think angry, you know, is, is a fair emotion. And while I commend you for working on letting it go, cause I think ultimately that's, that's what serves you individually best. And that's just my opinion. I'm not a doctor or a psychologist or anything, but you know, you know, that anger can consume the hell out of you. Um, Absolutely. And there's nothing you can do to change it now, but it, it's something that you, you have to live with and learn to deal with. But I, I bring that up to say, is the anger because purely because of the way they acted or because there is a sense that you feel there might be some people still alive today if they had acted different? And, and let me add one more thing. I only ask that because as I read this, I, I don't know that and again, I wasn't there, so I just read it from an objective standpoint. It doesn't appear, as I read the events of the day, that any one death was necessarily preventable. Like, you could really look at Mace as the one because he had the best chance to survive if if it had ended earlier, if they had gotten medevacter. Like, he's the one individual that really had the chance to survive. But, I mean, you know, you mentioned Kirk. Um, you know, obviously Thompson, you know, um, Griffin, Hart, like... I don't necessarily know that any of their deaths were preventable. So I, I want you to speak freely, but I, I just wanted to kind of give you my background of the question. I mean, you know, and uh, that's, a, you know, those are valid points. You know, I, I think uh, it, it's um, when it's your time to go, it's your time to go, man. Right. And uh, it uh, and, uh, you know, like I said, it was chaos and there's bullets flying everywhere. I'll, I'll tell you this. Uh, uh, one of the fastest guys that day got killed. I mean, like, you know, uh, Griffin, he was, he was fast as lightning brother. I mean, you know, and, and, and sadly, you know, he, he got, uh, uh, killed and, uh, uh you know, so it, it comes for us all and it just depends. But yeah, you know, I would say this though, um, without going into uh, a lot of detail that there is probably, I would have to think, uh, a few occasions where if communication was better mm-hmm. or um, uh, the motherfucker does what he actually says he's going to motherfucking do. And let me tell you, and this is where I was saying, this is what pisses me off the most is, is when I, I look at you and, I, and I'm going to say this too. Um, I'll get to that. Uh, Cause I get to that point after the trench, but, uh, um, man, people are just, they're just full. I'm sorry. I'm kind of lost here. I, I got too, a little angry. What, 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 no, what? It, it, listen, by all means, it, it's totally okay. I was just asking you about the anger that you have towards the individuals who didn't hold up their end of the bargain, so to speak. Is yeah, that anger yeah, just for, for that yeah. reason? Or because you think like some, you know, somebody else would still be alive had they acted differently. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I, and that's what I was going to say is I looked them in the eye and and they told us that they were going to do this or 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 wherever the case is. And this is crunch time, motherfucker. Like we're going to die, and you, they're just so fucking stupid. It's just the only way I can I, I can put it. And then you you just don't any up to your end of the bargain. I'm gonna say this: what took three hours probably could have took one mm-hmm. when uh and um it's just shit like that and uh not any and up leaving us and here here's another thing like uh it's like uh getting stuck in quicksand and your fucking buddy just leaves you all right man i'll see you later good luck <laughs> you know it is it, it's 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 like that it, it's it was it, it, fucking disgusting um and they know who the fuck they are. Yeah. We've talked so much about everything that's gone on to this point, And I, I kind of, you know, I trust me, I've enjoyed all the conversation, but I, I do need to let the audience know that, you know, you were one of the people when Clint Romache um, decides that you're going to take the base back. You're in the crew that, that joins him. You were one of the volunteers that joined yeah. him. So can you just kind of give me the background on, on how all that transaction came to pass? I got a little joke. I'll tell people, uh, <laughs> I'm from, I'm from Tennessee. I'll be damned if I don't, uh, volunteer. There you go. Well said. Uh, but, uh, no, um, they, uh, like I said, they were lighting us up in that trench and they hit the, the generator good enough. It started smoke. So all of us could, uh, like me and Greg and, Dan Lee was there in days, like I was saying when we were telling him they were in the wire. Uh, the smoke, you know, gave us concealment. And we moved. Uh, well, I, we didn't really know where to go. I, you know, I was like, okay, we'll just go back to the to barracks. So I followed Dan Lee and we went in there. And uh, I can't remember who told me, but uh, Rad said, yeah, it was Raz. Rad said, Jones, Jones. He said, come here, and he posted me up at the end of our barracks that was facing the uh, talk. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, Raz, uh, uh, Raz was like, uh, pulled AV in, AV's like, you know, uh, was telling him something. I can't remember because, you know, I was focused on the door. And then I almost killed these guys. Uh, it was uh, ASG or A&A or something, and uh, I almost shot them. And uh, Raz told him to get the fuck out, and he kicked them. They were trying to trying to come in there, and then Raz went out the the door. I'm sitting there with uh, uh, Davidson, and uh, Davidson's posted up at the same door, and I'm just thinking to myself, man, you know they killed Kirk, and um, just fuck them, you know. I I just want to kill them, and um, it, it's. Uh, um, I don't like just, I remember I just felt disgusted sitting in the fucking floor, guarding the fucking door. And, uh, now I'm going to explain this, how I seen it happen. Um, Ron Shea busted through the door I was looking at. And, you know, there was some things that happened in there before that, uh, like engaging the enemy at the other side of the door. And, uh, he, uh, he had Danley and uh, Raz behind him, and he said, I need a group of fucking volunteers. We're going to take this bitch back. 
that was his exact words. And, uh, and this is where I'm going to point out some things. Um, where they give Gregory a bad rap, I, I don't know why they do that. Um, because the reason, you know, I took the kit is because, uh, um, uh, Gregory was just kind of having like a, you know, like a moment kind of like we, he almost died. You know what I mean? Like, so, mm-hmm. and Raz even asked him, he said, dude, we're, he even said this, he said, we're all going to die. Uh, you know, do, do you want to do this? And, uh, when he asked for volunteers, I just instantly stood up. Um, I don't want to die like this. I want to die on my feet and I want to kill these motherfuckers. If I'm just being honest with you. Mm-hmm. And, um, um, I ain't dying like this. And, and I, I volunteered and Rad said, fuck yeah, Jones. And, uh, that's when the whole Saul thing, you know, they wanted to saw on the team and, uh, you know, Greg was just, you know, and, uh, but the thing I'm going to point out is, no one else volunteered in that building. How many other people were there? Probably 15 to 20 people. Are you shitting me? I'm not fucking shitting you. Wow. And that's that's where I get frustrated because a lot of times, like like I was saying, Greg gets a bad rap. Motherfucker, there was like a bunch of people in there. And then, you know, they point it out and they make it, you know, Greg's a good dude. Like I said, man. He whacks people, you know, like every, everybody thought they were going to die, man, you know? And, um, yeah, so Raz was already on the team. Danley was already on the team. And then when we went outside, you know, I got the saw um, from uh, um, Greg. Um, we went out there, and they were given a plan. and. Again, I'm not going to say who they are. But I was standing right there when they told him not to do it. Don't do this attack. Counterattack. Well, can I can I shed some light? I mean, wasn't initially there resistance from Lieutenant Bunderman, who was the platoon leader at the time? Yeah, yeah. From up top, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um so when you said people telling him not to, you weren't referring to him. I'm just asking if there's a, it, it, he had resistance for a variety of different reasons. Um, yeah. And it wasn't about, hey, you know, we're safer in here. It was just about like understanding the tactical situation, so to speak. Yeah, man. But I'll be honest with you. It, like I said, it was, it, it's falling apart, man. Like, no, no one knows where anyone's at. The right. cook and the guy that came back got shot, and he's gone. No one knows where he's at. Like it's chaos. No one knows the the cop is on fire. You know, um, and it wasn't just Bunderman. There was a bunch of people standing there that didn't want us to do it. Um, I don't know what the fuck we would have done. You know, uh, maybe that's. And you're right. You know, he's he he's a, a, a an academic. Exactly, and he's got to he's got to look out uh, and, and think about things. But the time for thinking was fucking done, bro. Yeah. Like this is this is we got to go. We got to fight. Like they're literally like 
we have no nobody guard. Like we were literally having a conversation in the back of our platoon barracks in the top, and no one's guarding shit. The only thing that's <laughs> up is fucking copus. So we're basically it's like we're in a gun we're in a fucking gunfight and we're just having a fucking conversation. And you know, people start getting set up and, and going places and we start getting a little bit of uh uh things going and then yeah, we go, man. And uh when we were out there, Romache asked, he said, Delaney, will you go with us? You gotta know the song. And Delaney said, Yeah. And then when we were getting ready to leave, uh he said this guy who got there like two weeks or some shit. Uh, he was a sergeant. His name was uh, Sergeant Miller, I think. He said, you come with us too. And uh, uh, those were, we were the guys that went over there. And then uh, we, we went to uh, clear the cop and take it back. Before you get deeper into this, I, I, Romache in his book, Red Platoon, um, tells a story how where Gregory, um, you know, was asked if he was up for it, and he said no, and then you ended up walking over to him and, and switching weapons with him. Is that accurate? Yeah, I, you know, the more I was thinking about it, yeah, that's probably accurate. But like I was saying, he was having some, like, I don't want to, like, make it sound like, oh, my God, like, we just, but, man, he was just kind of having a, 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 like. Well, it's that moment where he's realizing. That I'm gonna die, right? It, it's it's coming over him and processing it all. Um, it, it, yeah. it is tough in that moment. Exactly, and and that was a. Everybody always tells me to, it was a suicide mission, basically. Right. No, hey, nobody thought we were gonna come back. I guess, and uh, um, and like I said, I wasn't thinking about that. I said, "Fuck it," you know what I mean? Like, uh, we're all gonna die, you know. Anyway, so fuck it, and uh, um, uh, but. Uh, you know, it was just chaos, man. Like I said, I was just real surprised by people and then lack of uh, um, help that could have been there that wasn't. And uh, um, but Greg, man, like like I was saying, am I going to hold it against a guy when we're in this situation? When he has a freak out, maybe two times. When there's, I know, I know of at least 10 or so people that didn't fucking do anything that just cowered and didn't do shit. Mm-hmm. So Greg's a fucking pussy. Yeah. I highly doubt it. I see Greg fucking kill people. He's not a fucking pussy. Yeah. Well, I, look, I mean, and it, and it goes back to that moment. And for those who have seen the movie black Hawk down and Jeff Struker uh, was a guest on the show, but he, you know, they tell that story and it's accurate where he's speaking with one of his soldiers uh, after they come back in and the soldier says to him, I can't go back out in that city. I'm going to die tonight. And, and Struker basically says to him, I, I get it. I understand. I, I know the same fate awaits me, but what you do in this moment is ultimately what matters. He's like, I'm not going to exactly. force you to go. It's going to be your decision. But he's driving away, and then he sees him standing there, and he thinks that he's going to stay. And at the last second, he bangs on the door, hops in a Humvee, and goes out to fight. I mean, so mm-hmm. it, what you say and how you act or, or what you show emotionally aren't as important as how you act in the moments that matter. And, right. and so... You can cast aspersions on a guy and say that he said this and said that, but in reality, you know, the scoreboard speaks for itself, so to speak. Yeah. Um, he's, you know, um, it, it was just, uh, it was just chaos, man. These, right. Everybody around was just not with it. 
not with it. And uh, uh, thank God for Roman Shane. Um, when when he gave you the battle plan of what he was going to do, was it just fuck it, we're going like just whatever he whatever you say, Sarge, or, or was there any sort of like okay, this makes sense, I, I see what we're going to do here. Um, he gave he said uh, this is what he told me. He said uh, we're going to take the ammo supply point back and go from there. And then, uh, uh, because if we don't have ammo, we ain't got shit. And he, uh, um, uh, when we got to the ammo supply point, um, that's when he started planning and adjusting. The rest of it. other things didn't happen. Sure. Uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, what did, that's, that's when he started doing that. What did he, after you get to the, the ASP, what does he tell you? What sort of responsibilities does he give you? So... When we got around the corner, um, we've seen them all over the cop, you know, and then, you know, like I said, Greg and I were engaging them. And, uh, so we knew they were over there and they came around the corner a few times and we engaged them from the barracks and shit, uh, at the ammo supply point. So Danley and Roe go into the Haji shop, uh, which is just where, you know, you get Afghanistan knickknacks or whatever and, uh, and tobacco products and, they clear that and all of the fucking, um, I wouldn't say all of them, but a lot of the like, uh, guards and A and A are in there just fucking hiding. And, uh, I'm posted up outside and they tell me that when they're coming out. And, uh, uh, when, like when we pull, pull around the corner, um, uh, we see them all on the cop and, um, this is why, you know, I was like, man, if these guys were just a little bit more squared away, we'd have had some fucking problems uh, because mm-hmm. they were just, you know, like I think Ronche said that one time. It's like they won already or something and had a lot of guys by themselves and half of them dropped their guns when they seen us come around the corner. Really? And, uh, yeah. And it didn't matter, though. And, um, you know, so. We engaged them and uh, started uh, shooting them, and uh, we were shooting guys above the mortar pit, um, shooting guys on the switchbacks, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, By the way, switchbacks another name for a mountain area that they just. Uh, it was actually the sort of convergence of, of a valley of two mountains coming through, but yeah, just so the audience understands. Yeah, no problem. Um, and. Um, Man, it, it it was just Raz hollered at me and he said, "Jones, come here." And we, uh, I ran over there to him and it's, uh, I don't know, it's it's basically right in front of the Hodges shop under this under a tree, mm-hmm. and I can see um, the helicopter landing zone. I can see the North Face, the bridge. I can see a little bit of uh, Ramul. Um, the police station and uh, going down or down, I always say down, but it's up the river and around the corner and the governor's uh, house. And uh, so I got a pretty good field of view. The only problem is, is I have a blind spot on the road where it curves. I can't see, you know, where I'm engaging kind of to my left. Um, I have a blind spot. And uh, when Raz told me to come up there, uh, there was dudes, uh, next to the LZ and uh, 
they took off running. We engaged them. And then uh, there was other guys that were running down the hill a little bit further down the road. And uh, we engaged them. And uh, uh, Danley was right, right next to me. He was my AG at that point. And uh, he was just feeding me ammo. And we got the ammo supply point going. And uh, Romache said, I just want you to stay here and man this position because we're going to try and go get the the guys. Uh, I don't know at that point what was going on because they told me everybody at the Humvee and the Moore pit were dead. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're, we're mainly, I, I thought we were just going to get their bodies so them fucking assholes can't uh, use them for propaganda or whatever the fuck they do. Which Humvee? Truck one or truck two? Uh, truck two. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that one was you know, closer to your position at that point. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was the closest thing. And uh, we, they they uh, got into the Shura building, you know, had that. And then uh, uh, we just engaged them there for a while. And at about this time, and I always say it, they, they basically busted their nut. They don't really have um, too many RPGs and B-10 bombs. And um, Now, they said the helicopter pilots were there at, whatever time i don't remember seeing them until i was there um at that point um that's the only time i remember the helicopters uh uh at that point um and even then i think later the weather got fucking bad and uh they had to leave or something um uh, but uh man those guys whacked i couldn't tell you how many people those those apache pots god bless them um they they just waxed the shit out of people, man. Um, it, it 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 was it was some of the craziest things I've ever seen. I watched the Apache. I pinned these guys down um, behind this rock, and they couldn't. Every time one of them move, I get him, and um, they were scared to run and. Uh, Raz put a smoke grenade on him, and those Apache pilots seen him, and just he just dumped his whole shit on him. <laughs> it's probably one of the most violent things I've ever seen in my life. Um, sense of relief, though? Huh? Was it a sense of relief, though? Oh, yeah. I mean, man, let me tell you, uh, we were happy to give it back to those motherfuckers. More than happy. Uh, fucking bastards. Um during the during the, the assault to take it back, do, do you ever get the feeling like, okay, the tide is turning in our favor, or are you not able to get a sense of that? I probably got a sense of that when uh, we went around and we started waxing them. Yeah, I, I was like, man, you know, we probably we're probably we got a little something here. You know, we got a little bit of turf, and um, you know, like I said, I, I knew I, I started figuring. I was like, yeah, they. They kind of unloaded all they had, you know, and I'm, there's still guys out there. I know that, you know, I'm not saying they're, they're quitting, but, uh, the, the, the level of volume of, uh, bombs just quit basically, you know, I, they'd be every now and then, but, uh, at that point they were kind of, uh, dying down. Do you have a sense of, a do you have a sense of what time it is by the time you guys get the post back? No, man, you know, honestly, and I hate that, <laughs> but I, I had no sense of, of time because honestly, 
a lot of times that's that's uh that's hurt me or you know maybe hurt other people as far as like awards or or whatever is just a certain time frame that i can't remember but it's just and i don't say this i'm not trying to brag but i was just i was just all over the place and i just i just it was just it was constant combat for me constant and um um so it was just it's real hard i i was at that position for a long time man i couldn't tell you i couldn't tell you how many people um, i got and they shot danley right there you know uh the came the guy fucking snuck up on us on our right at the blind spot and uh, i'm not gonna go through the whole thing you know shit happens and uh he shot Danley in the arm and um i just couldn't get over quick enough and uh his fucking blood and meats all over my face and my gun and I got a Mark 48 again at this time. I was going through, it was like fucking Call of Duty almost. Um, but, uh. Well, Dan Lee ends up surviving. Yeah. Yeah, but that was really, that guy, I'll never forget that motherfucker just smiling at us. Uh. He got it, though. Fuck him. When do you get a chance for the first time that you can remember to just take a breath? Like, you take a Kevlar off and, and just you know, sort of exhale and realize that you made it through it. Late at night. It was nighttime. Okay. When does the fire start to, the, the enemy fire start to really die down as far as you, you can recollect? Um, like when I was at that, uh, the position I was just talking about, um, like I said, I don't remember the time, but the, the towards the end of me being at that position, because I moved to the Shura building um, after Copus was relieved. Maybe that would give you a time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of died. It, I wouldn't say it completely died down. Like the next day, it was basically um, died down. But I mean, like even even after that, maybe like 15 minutes, you know, we get engaged and they would shoot and or they'd lock their. I remember. Uh, it's starting to get a little evening time. They're just shooting a few B-10s at us. I mean, numerous rounds. And uh, they almost fucking killed us with their own, our own mortars. And the pay, and it, you know, and I understand they're just trying to kill them, and get them, you know, because they're danger close. But, uh, man, that was just crazy, man. It's, I, I threw grenades like you wouldn't believe. Ron should hand me. Three boxes of grenades, huge boxes, and uh, I threw almost every single one of them. I probably threw like 50, 60 grenades, and, and over the wire, you'd hear them come in, and i just throw a grenade over the wire uh, at them, and, you know, I'd just engage them. You know, i see muzzle flash, I'd shoot the muzzle flash till it's fucking gone, <laughs> and then, you know, i see them, I'd just shoot them. When, when it all ends um and you start to get accountability of where everybody is um and and what has happened to everybody are are you overcome by what you guys have just went through um man i was so fucking just exhausted um 
like uh i didn't really have an emotion to be honest with you like uh i was just so like burned out i remember knight trying to talk to me because i hadn't seen knight uh for a while i didn't know if he's alive or not and uh, yeah like you said we're trying to get accountability you know it was nighttime they still pop occasionally and uh um so you know we we're still trying to stay up and and guard and uh i actually think i guarded until the morning i didn't get to go to bed until the morning the next day well how the hell could you sleep after all that (laughs) right i remember uh roshay said jonesy uh people were telling me you got blown up like you got blown up a bunch when you don't even fucking remember and like people like jonesy no i watched you like get blown up like i hit a couple rpgs at the ASP, like I said, when I got blown up and then at the trench behind the generator, I mean, like, sh- shooting our fucking helmets and RPGs in the mosque and stuff, and uh, I was just, I was so fucking exhausted. Uh, super exhausted at the end of that. And, and uh, Roche took me, he said, uh, to the aid station, he said, uh, tell Doc Cordova I just kind of told him, like, you know, I can't feel my back and, like, uh, uh, my knee hurts, you know, and I got, like, shrapnel. And he just stuck my ass with something. I don't know what it, I guess it was morphine or some shit. That's that's the best medicine, man. I, I got a couple yeah. of those when I was in bag. That, like, to, the, to this day, the only kind of medicine I want. I walked into the aid station, told him something hurt. He goes, bend down, bend over, take your pants down. I got something for you. And, and it was just a needle <laughs> right in the ass. And it was, and it was a miracle yeah. shot because... Ten minutes later, I felt like Superman. Yeah, no idea right. what it was. Never told me, but I just know I felt better. That's what I was always guessing it was. Yeah, exactly. He never came out and told. I think Ronche told me it was morphine, but uh, later. But uh, man, I was flying high as a kite, and uh, um, I went and found a. We went. I went back to my barracks room, and I guess an RPG went in there, and and then like there was like fifteen people in there laying down, and I was like. Or yeah, I'm exaggerating, but you know, a bunch of people, and uh, so I just fell asleep on the floor, or no, a weapons rack. Yeah, uh, but I, I think even before that, yeah, Captain Portis was there. Maybe mm-hmm. mind getting my because we were there for a few days, but uh, Captain Portis came and uh, with the QRF, and uh, we're going around looking for bodies and uh, trying to get into the shower and stuff so i did a bunch of stuff i was just constantly doing shit until the morning you had mentioned how how close you were with sergeant kirk i mean and you know he was kia did you go see his body at the aid station or anything or no no um i didn't get to but i seen him in uh, the sheriff building and um uh, that's uh um I had to, Copas and I had to carry their bodies to the helicopter. Um, maybe like another person or something. But yeah, I try. I don't remember if I got him. Because a lot of people, like there was a, you know, I carried someone and then I think I had Gallegos and uh, man, he's a big old boy, just nothing but muscle. He was so heavy. Um, just, you know, just, a massive 
human, just a monster. And I, I didn't want to drag his motherfucking body on the ground. So, I mean, I stress, I mean, like, uh, I was exhausted. And I, I swear I didn't, I didn't want his body to touch the ground. I don't know, because my days are kind of blended together. I think that's what happened. And then uh, that night, and uh, they just dropped him off at the LZ. And it's fucking left. And I was like, I ain't leaving these dudes out here by themselves. Fuck that. And um, so I stayed out there with them. And Copa stayed with me. And uh, we waited on a helicopter. I ain't leaving them out there by themselves. And um, well, we carried them to the chopper. Is that hard for you? Yeah, it's pretty tough. Uh, I can't imagine I I mean I can't listen I mean you know uh, you know these guys are friends but you know they're they're people you fought with and and, uh, you know being charged with uh, being the last person to you know carry them off the battlefield is on one hand, it's a, it's a sort of a, an awesome responsibility, but on the other hand, it's, you know, a responsibility you never want to have, um, for, for, yeah. for obvious reasons. So, you know, I'm, I'm sorry for the loss of your friends, man. Um, so when this whole thing ends and, and you guys get pulled out of there to Fob Bostic, um, and a couple of days later, they torch the whole post. Any emotion in that decision to get rid of it all? Was it good riddance or was it like we we did too much to hold that place to just get rid of it sort of deal? Yeah, I'd say it's a little bit of both, honestly. Uh, it's it's in some ways, I was, I was, man, we were in that fucking chopper and uh, that Chinook or whatever. And uh, they we were waiting for that fucking explosion. Everybody wanted to scream and celebrate and nothing. And uh I guess he did it wrong or something. They had a bomb in a few days later, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was awesome. But I always wanted to go back and they always talk about missions going back. And uh, yeah, I was always down for that because fuck those assholes. And uh, I just, I just have a, I know it's their country. I, I know the whole spiel. I know, I know all that bullshit, but I'm going to tell you this. I'll fucking hate them till the damn day I die. They ain't never fucking getting a lick from me. The fucking hatred in my fucking gun. That's it. Fuck them all. You know the the going back there. Uh, I have I have often um, had the same thought that I would actually think I would like that experience. You know, I, I know a bunch of people who did it in Vietnam, um, as well as some people who did it in Mogadishu, and yeah. I I can only imagine how cathartic it must be, but but at the same time, how how overwhelmingly emotional. I think that that would be. Yeah. I think part of me would cry like a little girl, honestly. Um, yeah. Yeah, it would be. And I've watched that. I've seen Vietnam vets go back to yeah. where they had battles. And it's intense. And uh, and I feel for those guys, man. And uh, I love Vietnam vets. Uh, I always try to talk to them at the VA. And uh, they, uh, you know, I... I've thought about that. You know, I might go back. Uh, I just hate them so fucking much. And uh, I know, and I'm not hating them because I'm ignorant. I hate them because they killed my friends. And uh, sure. I know I was in their country. I know that, 
my government does things and there's does you know they don't have a fucking clue and it's whatever you know um but uh it is that's what happened and i'm never gonna fucking forgive you bastards and i might go there you know i don't know i might i I might disappear i might i won't be nice but uh (laughs) but uh yeah that that would be interesting but i just i hate them so much and i i just uh um i just hate them and um I hope nothing but the worst for those people in that region. Fuck them all. One other uh, emotional question I wanted to ask you about. Um, a lot of the guys have said that um, finding out that Mace didn't make it was was real tough for everybody. Was it was it that same way for you? Yeah, that was that was that was pretty tough. And um, they said somewhere like uh, um, I knew. You know, Copas something he found out by Avalos just randomly telling it or something, and uh, he said I I came up to him and patted him on the back and said I I know he died. I didn't find find out until he he, he died until Copas was crying, and uh, I was like, man, Copas is really crying. I'm gonna go over and see what's going on with him, and uh, he told me Mace didn't make it, man, and uh, it just. You know, I know I wasn't as close with him as uh, Copas was, but I mean, I love that guy, man. And uh, you know, it just pissed me off again too. You know, I just fuck those assholes. It, it and it just seemed like he was gonna live. That was just such the biggest uh, right um, gut punch. You know, it, it was just Mace was such a. Um, and I know people say this. You know, I'm not trying to sound. You know, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. He was, he was such a loving person and, and a good person, and um, he was so nice to me. Um, uh, the more I got to know him, and um, he he was so fucking strong, man. He held on, and and I watched him, and uh, I think I helped carrying him to the chopper too, and uh, um. Or was out there. I was out there for a while, but uh, man, he was just such a good dude, man, and uh, just some somebody I looked up to, absolutely. It's been a over a decade since all this went down. Um, you know, a moment ago you talked about sort of your your emotion, strong emotions towards Afghanistan and and what went on there. Where are you with everything else? What sort of emotions still linger for you? Um, you know, um, I live with it every day and, um, it, um, I don't know. I just, I just want the guys that, uh, died that day to always be talked about and, um, I hope their families are always taken care of. Um, and, uh, and I'll talk to a few of them. Um, but it's hard. It's, it, it's hard to talk to people, especially, you know, your, your kid dies, you know, and, uh, I spent the longest time just trying to forget it. And just, especially when I got out of the army, just, you know, like I said, you don't forget it. You know, it's always on your mind, but I really tried to focus on forgetting it. And I noticed that it just, 
it just seemed fake, man. It just, it's a part of me and it's, it's, uh, I'll always be there and it'll always be a part of me. And, uh, uh, I get real mad, you know, I'm sure you could tell. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, you know, at the enemy, um, but like, like I said before, I even understand where they're coming from. I understand. I get it. And, and, um, I try to be more open about it. I try to be uh, more understanding about it. Like, like I was saying, like, Colin, I, I don't want to single anyone out or anything because, like I said, everybody had moments those day that day. Everybody had moment. Everybody had a moment where they fucking freaked out, and then everybody had a had moments where they fucking shined and they did awesome, you know. So I don't want to take away from that, and. I always want to talk about the guys. Um, I try to at least, you know, it's it's easier to talk about yourself because, you know, I don't like putting words in other people's mouths or anything, but it, it's, you know, I always want to talk about the other guys, you know, uh, sure. uh, like Danley or Gregory or, or Knight, um, Davidson, you know, uh, even the guys that came and replaced us. I mean, I love these guys. These are my platoon. And I try to, try to not let the hate consume me um that's my big thing i guess uh that i deal with is trying not to let it consume me um, so i feel certain ways it ain't going to change and i know that and i accept it and and i just i try to keep uh, the platoon together uh, i spent the past two years getting a hold of everybody and uh mending fences and uh, uh talking stuff out and being there for guys because they're my brothers and I love them. And, uh, that's, that's my purpose now. That's kind of what I try to take from it because it ain't ever going away. So I'm just going to try to make the best of it. Well, I, I would tell you that, you know, part of, part of the way you, you process all this stuff is to talk about it as often as possible in, in, in any format, right? Whether it's with the guys that you serve with, um, talk about it with other people who have served or family members and loved ones and, and share those experiences. Uh, because I think the more that you talk about it, um, you know, you, you start to understand the emotions that you're expressing each time you do. And I think that's vital. And, you know, it's look, it's something we talk about a lot here on the show in the sense of uh, how to reconcile the bad things that have happened. Um, and, and by bad, I mean, just, you know, obviously war is awful. So it's those bad things, the bad things that you've been a part of and, um, compartmentalizing those things that you can't change and understanding where they are. I think you're there with some of that stuff, but I certainly, you know, and again, I am, I am not the judge of anything here, but just in our conversation, um, I think you realize that there, there's probably some stuff that, that you need to keep digging into. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and um and I try to help the other guys too. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Um it uh you know, um we just try to make the best out of the situation and uh at least I do, you know, and a lot of these guys have have been homeless, have had drug problems, alcohol problems, uh you know, and Everybody seems to be doing pretty good right now, but, uh, um, you know, in, in a way that helps me too, you know, because I, I can talk to him, like you're saying, you know, uh, 
I think I, I, I totally agree. I think talking about it really does help. Um, sometimes I talk about it and I freak people the fuck out. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, I, I, I just try to, and, and, and maybe that's also too, and that's what I was going to talk about was a lot of my frustration, and I'm not going to pick anyone out. I, I try not to do that because I don't want to talk about anybody. You have your own problems, and that is what it is. And you know who you are. And you know the truth. And when I see someone say something that, bro, I was there, I was standing there, that didn't happen, or you didn't do that, or, you know, whatever the case is, you know, and I try not to hold, you know, be too mad because maybe they're having mental problems or something, or they're high on crack or some shit. I don't know. But, it, it it really frustrates the shit out of me because you start getting this just let the true story be told. Talk, just be honest. There's nothing wrong with being honest and, and, and saying how it actually happened. You don't have to brag about yourself and say, oh, look at me. I did this and this and, and, and saved this person's life and whatever the case is. No, you didn't. You know, um, it, it's... <laughs> It, it it kills me how just and, and like I say I try not to focus on it, but when I see someone, even people that profit off of it, makes me fucking sick. And uh, you should be fucking ashamed of yourselves. Um, that's just my opinion. Well, and, I, I mean, to that end, I, I want to ask you about the movie The Outpost. Um, you know, and, and Jake Tapper, who wrote the book, and, um, you know, uh, look, I thought the movie was, I understood Hollywood takes some liberties with things, and from your vantage point, I would get, if I was in your shoes, that would bother some, some of the, those liberties would bother me as well, because um, yeah. I think when you make a military movie, accuracy is the most important thing, because every single one of us knows what right looks like, so, um, but i just kind of curious uh, if you were asked to be interviewed for it, like what was your role? Were you not asked to kind of give me the background of that whole story? So, um, this is, so I don't know the inner workings because I'm not, uh, I, I'm just going to put it this way. I'm not important enough or I'm not one of the higher guys that whatever the case is where people want to talk to them or, or, he's the go-to guy about the event. He knows everything. So, um, it, it's just, I, I never got asked anything and certain, certain people that he, uh, you know, I just don't know. I can only tell you my opinion of Jake, um, is I, and I, I'm gonna say this, just as nice spot. I don't care for the guy. And um, that goes into your actions and what you say and what you do. And uh, I'm not going to get into specifics, but I'll tell you this. They never asked me anything. Uh, they never asked me permission for nothing uh, uh, to use my name. And I don't even know how that works or, or where I did talk to him um, for the outpost book, but uh the only reason I talked to him is because Romache asked me to talk to him. And then they have some type of, like I was saying, like the whole inners and uppers and the people that are the, the go-to people 
they have this thing where like it's a movie deal or who who gets to tell what story or what bullshit or who's making money off of it or whatever the fucking case is and you know it just didn't really seem like he gave a shit about finding i mean i read his book you know his his book's decent you know it gives you like a a layout and kind of what's going on and stuff and uh, um but i was never asked anything uh he called they called me i got a phone call one day they're already filming and i i know this stuff because people tell me i don't look for it this is what people tell me and um people that are involved with it um you know so they call me and I get this phone call from Bulgaria and I'm like, scam, decline. <laughs> and, you know, so, you know, I think it's a fucking, uh, uh, and I'm a lot more relaxed, man. I, uh, the more I get to talking and, uh, but you know, this shit just kind of serious sometimes, but, uh, um, but, uh, they called me and they kept calling me. I was like, what the hell do these people want? And my mom called me, and she said, they're trying to get a hold of you for this movie. And I know that they've already written the movie. They're already filming the movie. Mm-hmm. What in God's fucking green earth do you need from me? Now, I've already got word on the street that you guys are taking stuff that people did, like their valor, and giving it to other guys that didn't do stuff or, or whatever the case is. Or, or you're, you're changing the story, so I'm already, like, put off because you're not giving an accurate representation of what happened. Mm-hmm. and it, you know so i didn't answer because i don't want to talk to you i've already talked to you you did your thing you made your money or whatever the hell you did i hope them families got some money and uh, uh that's fine and i appreciate him writing that book and getting the word out there and uh but uh as far as that man i could care less uh he didn't help me i'm not gonna talk to him um he uh yeah, I, I don't care for the guy. I'll just put it that way. It's fair. Maybe that had something to do with it. No, I, I, look, I can't pretend to know what that whole experience feels like for you. Um, nobody's ever offered to write a movie or a book about anything I did, which is probably pretty accurate. Um, yeah. But, you know, from that standpoint, I would tell you, uh, I, I, I can empathize, right? It's the best I can do. I, I understand where your anger and frustration comes from with that and having a story told only from a certain vantage point, because at the end of the day, the idea of a book is to get people to read it. And the idea of a movie is to get people to watch it. And so whatever gets you from point A to point B, it's a transactional sort of, um, you know, thing, right? It's two and two don't have to equal four. um, But, you know, two and two have to equal, yeah, I bought a ticket to the movie. So um, that's that's kind of where where some of that goes, and and you know full disclosure to you, like we've talked to the director Rod Lurie, um, you know, and he's got his own personal story. Um, he's a former West Point grad and everything, and, and you know I found it very refreshing to talk to him. But it, it's a different vantage point for him, right? Like, yeah, I listened to it. He, oh, you did? Okay, he he. Yeah. He's a nice guy. Yeah, he was. Um, I, th- I thought he was a great guy, you know. And, and and for those, go back and listen to Rod Lurie. And my, my certainly my heart goes out to him. He lost his son. Um, not in combat, his son, you know, got sick and, died and passed on. But, you know, to that end, in talking to him, like, I, I, I understand his vantage point, right? I, I, I think, yeah. and I think he operated in good faith the whole way. He wanted to make a movie about the this particular battle and about the, the men that were there, all of you. 
And you can only mm-hmm. do that in a certain way that Hollywood allows. Um, and, exactly. But I don't think he was ever operating in bad faith and in, in looking at a way to take information and misrepresent it, right? If that if that's fair. Right, exactly. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, I would just say, and, and that's what, uh, when I heard that Jake was doing a, a movie, I was like, well, that'd probably be pretty accurate because, you know, his book's pretty accurate, you know. And, uh, and then when I heard that, I was just... Uh, it, like you said, it's just that Hollywood bullshit. And I've talked to other people about, and and see, that's what I'm talking about is all these wigs and people. And I don't care to do an interview because I get to tell the my my story, the tr- truth that I've seen and what other people uh, did. And um, um, you know, the whole profit thing and 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 talking to me about a movie and and. And because uh, I talked to this other guy about some other thing about another movie or something, Romish, I, I don't know. But it was just, um, I just get sick of it um, to, to a certain point, uh, just the fakeness around it and, and the people that just want to make money off of it. It right. just seems fake and not genuine. It, sure. it, makes, me, it makes me sick. No, uh, and, and that's, I, I think it's understandable. You know, I, think, I think that's fair. Uh, yeah. they, they have different goals other than telling the truth from as many vantage points as possible, right? Yeah. It, 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 that's yeah. just the easiest way to put it. I wanted to ask you, uh, when you found out that, that Clint Romache was getting the Medal of Honor, um, what was sort of your feelings and thoughts? Um, I thought he deserved it, absolutely. Um, they told me he was probably going to get a Distinguished Service Cross, and I said, you guys are fucking crazy. It's <laughs> He, he needs a medal of honor. And, uh, and I'll tell you another guy that deserves not, and I'll, and I'll tell you this. And, um, you know, I know there's stuff you gotta, you gotta ch- check all the boxes, you know what I mean? Like to, to get it, but Raz definitely deserves at least a distinguished service cross, if not a MOA. I mean, H because I mean, Raz that day, I mean, he did, so much stuff. I mean, he was basically second in command out there with Roe. I mean, he went places that uh, the enemy had been and uh, people had died. And, you know, like Raz was hot shit that day, brother. I mean, like he was, he was on point. And, uh, um, but uh, uh, I'm sorry, what was the question? I got a little distracted. <laughs> no, I just wanted to know kind of what, when you heard that that Clint was going to get the Medal of Honor, what were your oh, yeah, thoughts yeah. and feelings on it? Yeah, he, uh, yeah, that's. I was super happy for him, and uh, um, I, I really felt like he deserved it. Uh, um, but uh, with that comes the, um, and, and Rose a good guy, man. He's, you know, obviously survive that and be a, a a leader in that something like that. You got to have a a good head on your shoulders, man, because. I mean, some of the shit I see, you know, I'll go, I'll go hang out with him. And just the people that come up to him, try to sell him on shit or, or get a piece of his name or whatever the fucking case is. I mean, I would get, just be fucking uh, so over that. Um, and and Rose got to talk about that in front of people uh, weekly. You know, um, I don't think there's any man stronger, uh, strong, you know, Ro can handle that. Um, he's the man. 
you know, he's always said that, you know, it, it's all your guys award, right? Like you all are part of that. Yeah. Is that, yeah. is, 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 I don't think that he's saying that, you know, like just to say it, but I mean, when, when you hear him say that, do you feel like, you know, there's a sense of where we're all in it, that that's all of ours? Absolutely. Uh, and you know, this we're, we're, you know, when you join the military, everybody's different. Everybody has their own personality. Mm-hmm. You know, no one's the same. So, but Roe, you know, he's, I remember one time he, uh, I was hanging out with him and he, he gave it to me, not like the key, but you know, he just, he gave it to me. He said, just hold on to it. And I got, I, he let me hold it for like an hour or two or something. Uh, or maybe 20 minutes. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Did you put it around your neck? Uh, no, no. Oh, I okay. Put, no, I definitely wouldn't <laughs> do that. But uh, I held it and um, uh, just looked at it. And uh, uh, I didn't even take a picture of it. You know, it's just, it means a lot to me. And uh, Rose, the guy, they didn't even want to, this is what he said. I have no idea. You know, like I said, I'm never the guy that's up in the talk. I'm the dude doing the shooting. I'm not in the talk talking. Okay. Right. <laughs> um, so, but uh, he said that uh, they put me in for a silver star and they said uh, PSC doesn't deserve a silver star. It's the stupidest fucking and, statement I've ever heard. Yeah. And uh, he said uh, they put me in for a bronze star or valor and they thought they were going to uh, approve it and then they didn't. Same kind of thing. And then he said uh, they put it in again. They had to rewrite everything. And Bunderman uh, helped out rewrite that. Um, and um, um, got me a Bronze Star with Valor, at least, is what he said. You know, he made that a point to get that for me. And I, I really appreciate him um, doing that. Well, I, I, and I say that as somebody who's in a position to write awards and approve awards, uh, I've never held to the maxim that your rank should be any sort of measure of what your abilities are. Um, right. You know, yeah. and, and I've said this routinely about my own career. Like my, my first deployment to Iraq, when, when I got a bronze star, like I, there was a part of me that genuinely wanted it because I busted my ass. Right. And, and this, and the stuff that we did was super important and it was, it was a huge mission and we, we, we fought hard and we undertook a lot. Like part of me felt like, you know, like I, I earned it. And, and so I, I, part of me wanted it. My second deployment, when I was a major and they told me, well, you're getting a bronze star. And I said, well, I didn't do anything to deserve one because I know what it takes to deserve one. Right. Like I already yeah. had that whole thing. Well, they put out that, you know, all field grades, all four, all fours and above are getting, I'm like, but I, I don't want it. You know, like I didn't, did, right. you're actually detracting from the last one I got by giving me this one just because I showed up, right? Like it was, it, it, it's not a participation yeah. trophy, you know? Yeah. And so I, I think sometimes, you know, that, that's one of the things about the military. It's just like old habits die hard. Like you can't break some of that traditional thinking that because you're this rank, you're only capable of that. Nah, that's BS, man. There there are a lot of people that day that were capable of silver stars um, and absolutely earned every one of them. Yeah. You know? I would agree with yeah, definitely. I've seen so many guys that day that deserved, like, a knight. Knight held an area, you know, like, a, uh, you know, Copus, you know. who Who's holding areas over here, like me and Copus? Knight held an area by itself, basically, with Davidson, I think, uh, eventually, by itself. And they didn't even give him a fucking Archon or, or whatever. And um, I remember... Uh, we got a am we got ambushed our first mission outside the wire at Cop Keating months before. Uh, 
October 3rd. And, uh, um, you know, uh, that was a crazy firefight. And uh, that's, I got a lot of respect in that firefight. Um, it was crazy. Uh, anyways, uh, they wanted to give me a, uh, Sergeant Kirk came in there and he was going to give me a, uh, he, he wanted to put me in for our common ballot. And, uh, Sergeant Stan agreed and, uh, they put me in for it or something. And, uh, I'm not going to say who his name is. Um, but he said, uh, when I got my, you know, they put me in for my bronze star of valor. Raz went up to him and said, uh, when are, when's Jones going to get his Arcom of valor that Kirk put him in? He said, nah, he, he got, already got a bronze star of valor. That'll cover it. And I heard him fucking say that. I think I know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. And, um, uh, you do. And, um, uh, and, um, uh, it's just stuff like that that, you know, I don't care. I don't give a fuck if you give me nothing. You know, it, I don't care. What I do care about is my buddies that didn't get anything that, like Davidson. Good God. Davidson trying to hold that ECP for, uh, for you know, as long as he could. And uh, uh, he dumped every box he had. And you got to think about that initial push of what they were doing to us. Just rounds i mean and he he didn't care about his own safety he did his job and uh um you know so um davidson should have a silver star um i you know i hate to go through it's like you get a silver star and you get right. a silver star but it you know um i'll tell you this i know people that got it that don't deserve it yeah, and that, and that's that, that's the tough part of it, right? I mean, yeah, it's it's just hard to see the, that the flaw in that process, um, and and chains of command who say you know will will agree to do one thing and others who won't, and it sort of just clouds the the, the muddies the waters a little bit, right? And, yeah, it just makes yeah. it. And none of us did this for an award in our chest. Like, you know, it, it bears worth repeating to the civilian audience. It's not about awards. No one cares. And at the end of the day. You know, you can put on your, your, your ASUs and you can have a whole, you know, top right corner of your chest that filled with them. And, and it doesn't mean anything other than you've sort of been around a long time. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. um, you know, the army, like for those civilians, the army gives you an award usually just for being in a position for like two years, even if you didn't do anything. Like, well, <laughs> like they give you one when you leave the military just cause you did, you know, I mean, it's, so it's, uh, yeah. They're nice, but again, I, I don't think they define a leader or, or yeah. somebody's actions uh, or, or, or the type of individual they are or who you want to serve with or any of that. So um, everybody yeah. can choose to take it differently. Yeah, and uh, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, – I remember one time, it just made me think of a story. Uh, uh, you know, I don't give – like you were saying, I don't give a fuck about them. And that, but I, I just blame them, you know, whatever. And I had it in my room. And they switched me to this place called uh, Cold Blood. And um, Cold Blood fucking hated me for some reason. I don't know why. Um, but there were some good guys in there. But I, I don't know what that whole thing was. They got in trouble 
um, I'm not going to go in a whole deep dive, but very interesting guys. But uh, uh, I went in, uh, we were getting a room inspection one day. I'm a Purple Heart up next to my computer. You know, it's just sitting there. This uh, E6 and um, and this is this is you know I I don't dog anybody in their job because every job matters and that's the damn truth and uh, but there is a difference between a frontline soldier and somebody that is not on the front lines and and when you have someone that uh, this guy this NCO he was a E6. Uh, he was a uh, 88 Mike and he switched over to infantry. So, you know, he just went and did this, you know, at, at that rank and did the thing at Benning and then came out there, you know. And, uh, my opinion is you don't get as much uh, uh, pull or uh, respect if you ain't been infantry the whole time. Right. Especially if you're an NCO. And you do it, and you switch. Uh, so he's in my barracks room, and he's looking, and he's like, "Oh, ha, ha, ha. you got an enemy marksmanship badge?" Ha, 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 ha. Just fucking laughing and shit, and pissed me the fuck off. And uh, I went up to him. Uh, they left my room inspection. I said, "Hey, sergeant, come over here." I said, uh, I said, what did you say that was? They said, oh, it's the enemy marksmanship badge. I said, no, that's a Jonesy don't give a fuck to do his job badge. He just kind of looked at me and it's like, I'm sorry, man. I didn't mean to say it like that. I was like, well, you need to fucking understand that we all know you're an 88 Mike. And when you come in here to an infantry platoon and you start making fun of dudes and their awards or where the fuck it is, they're going to remember that. So, you know, fuck them. You know, it was good for you. Them. Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes I just couldn't let some shit go. And... But anyways, uh, uh, I said, that's all I'll say is good for you. <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, so you, you ultimately end up getting out of the army, um, you know, before four years is up. I mean, was, was it just because this was enough for you? Like, you, you know, yeah and it, you'd lived it and survived and that was that was good enough <laughs> yeah you know honestly i probably stayed in if they god and i hate talking shit about the army because i love them but uh they just when i got hurt they just didn't give a shit they're just like ah well man you're broke dick now it's it's whatever you know or you're like you're faking or something like no no i want to i want to do this i, I want it in like uh my injuries were just I'm so fucking hard headed, and uh, I was like, ah, I get over it. No, no. I'm like, I was having like, I'm not gonna get in too personal, but I mean, like, I was having some serious problems. It's my whole back being blown, you know, when I got blown up, and, and then you know, I'm having some cognitive issues where I've just been hitting the head a few times and blown up, and then you know, my knees giving out on me. So now I'm just, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not as good as I once was here, and they're just. So, know, so they, they medically were, retired you? No, uh, that was just a whole. I tried, you know, um, to. I wasn't trying to get medically retired. I was just trying to, to get help, and that's what I'd always tell them: is I, I don't care what you do, just get me fucking help. Um, and it just they never really seemed to want to do that, and um, it put a really fucking sour taste in my mouth. And because I was treated like shit. 
and I've been treated like shit. I've been treated like shit all my whole time in the army. I've been treated like shit because I'm from the south, and I've and I've done shit for you guys. Oh my God, other people wouldn't fucking do uh, a day to save their own lives. I've done for you guys, and you won't even fucking help me. And um, they burnt me out. Like just the garrison. Like if I could just if I could stay in Afghanistan a whole three years, I'd have done it. It was just they they. It was almost like they wanted you to to fuck up and get out or 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 quit. Piss me off. Regardless of the length of your career, um, again, it, that's also something else that like doesn't define you, you know, yeah. um, or your impact. And uh, whether there are awards or write ups or whatever, um, the impact is with the people you served with and those guys that you're still looking out for to this day. Right. Like th- that, that's yeah. the impact. That's the, 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 the forever for you. That's, that's your 20 years is, is yeah, taking care exactly. of those guys still. Right. Exactly, man. And uh, like I said, I love all of them to death, man. And it's been a, it's been a two year journey getting a hold of all of them. Cause you know, we kind of go our separate ways, but uh, you guys plan on a reunion anytime soon getting like face to face. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 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 we've already had a small reunion. Not everyone can make it. So I gave them two years. <laughs> so we've been having a platoon chat, uh, platoon text for probably over three years now. And uh, we all talk to you when we find someone or someone wants, gets over them being a, a sensitive butthole. Um, we, we can uh, 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 include them back into the text. I mean, uh, you know, and uh, I, I got one planned in August and uh, it's going to be in Colorado Springs. And uh, everybody, for the most part, is coming. Uh, some people aren't invited just because. <laughs> I was going to ask you, you're leaving out the officers? <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and the the proof is, you know, I don't want to talk bad about no one or say nothing uh, because it is what it is. Uh, but um, we, we just don't want, we want as less drama as possible. Sure, that's understandable. And, and, uh, and plus, it's just a different tenor. Even if the officer is no longer in the military, it's a different tenor when they're around. Right, exactly. And, and trust me, uh, as an officer, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, and man, I love uh, I love Stony Portis, man. Uh, my uh, commander, he was a great guy. Uh, um, he was always fucking awesome to me. Um, he was, he's met my mom and my uh, I think my dad, and he was super nice to them. He's even wrote my mom and dad. Uh, he was just, he, I just want to say that, you know, it's like, I'm not bashing it. You know, there's just a few, you know, but, uh, like Stony Forest was just, uh, just, a um, a, a hands down, excellent dude. You know, he's always been it's nice to, to me. And, and uh, it, it, I say, I always say this, my joke about Stony is, uh, anybody ever give me a slim Jim the first time I meet you, you're all right in my book. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he carry around slim Jims and just handing people on the cops. And I was like, man, I like that guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a, he's a real good dude, man. I, I like Stone. Well, that's good to hear. Listen, I, I hope you can get as many guys there as possible. I, I hope they show up. I hope the the bonds you guys have obviously go much deeper than text messages. But you know, it the, you get back together face to face, you throw your arms around each other, and uh, um, it, it's just a different feeling, brother. You know, it's it's yeah, it, it just changes the dynamic. Uh, being able to be next to those guys and look at them again and. You get a whole new appreciation for, uh, you know, 
your own life because they're still able to be with you. You know, I, I think that's, yeah. that's the big thing. That's where, it's where it really hits you. It's you stood next to each other on a battlefield and the fact that you're able to still stand next to each other. Um, even if it's years down the road, it's a decade down the road. You know what? The minute you get together, it's like the same, the same day you were serving still. Nothing ever yeah. changes in, in that group. Nothing ever changes in that dynamic. The jokes are still the same. You're still making fun of the same dude. Uh, the same one person who you were ripping on 10 years ago, you're still ripping on that individual again. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, all uh, you pick That's literally me. right up where you're left off. Yeah, I'm the butt of a lot of jokes, so yeah, yeah. Man, that's me, man. It's a, uh, it's all, it, and it, and it's like that when we all get together. It's it's like, uh, of course, now you know, um, a lot of stuff with a lot of people's water under the bridge, man. We try to let a lot of stuff go, and um, and everybody gets along, man. And it, it's 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 awesome, and we uh, we we have a good time, and uh, the platoon chats uh, on text get crazy, and and even too, it helps uh, it helps with the. Uh, like guys like, Hey man, are you, are you in this area? I'm passing through like, yeah, man, let's link up. Well, Hey man, I'm over here, you know, and they, and they all link up, you know, so it helps out, man, staying in contact. And, uh, it, it really does. It's a joy. And, uh, um, I'm just, uh, I'm putting this thing together and, uh, we'll, we'll, we're, it's going to be three days of, uh, red platoon madness, man. Oh, good. Uh, take photos, but don't post them online. How's that sound? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, Chris, man, I, I, I genuinely enjoy your story. Um, you know, obviously honesty is a, is a strong point for you. So, uh, I'm glad you were able to share all that with your audience. And I, I do wish you, um, the best of luck with things and, and whatever's still, you know, toiling inside you, man, you know, take the time to work it out and, and make sure that you get yourself to the best place mentally. Um, even though it's been so many years after, I think, you know, uh, you start to have some of these conversations the next day or two, you'll probably start to have some thoughts and feelings that came back up that you weren't really aware that were still there. And so, you yeah, know, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful for you. I mean, you sound like you're in a great spot and, and, um, you know, I am, I honestly am. And, uh, that's why I don't wish no ill will towards anyone else or, or nothing. Uh, you know, I just, I wish the best for all of us and, uh, you know, that's it, man. Well, good, man. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're able to share your story with us. So much there, brother. And uh, we spent a lot of time talking, but uh, I yeah. wish you nothing but the best and, and health and, and get yourself back together physically because, uh, you know, uh, all this stuff will creep up on you in 10 years. You're still a young kid, trust me. But once you start to hit 40, it really goes downhill. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm feeling it, man. That's, that's for sure. But I appreciate you having me on. I enjoyed it. And uh, I enjoy what you guys do, man. Keep it up. Thank you, Chris Jones. Thanks for being part of the Hazard Ground. No problem, buddy. You've been listening to the Hazard Ground Podcast, hosted by Mark Zeno. If you have an interesting story to tell and you'd like to be on the show, send us an email at producer at hazardground.com. And if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.